Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. You're listening to the Heroes Podcast Network. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. friendly force users out there and welcome to another episode of echo station podcast this is our season finale so sit tight it's gonna be a long one very long (laughs) yeah i am your host chris and i am of course here with my co-host lovely ian hello i'm lovely ian and just as our opening episode um when we are joined by a fantastic guest lawrence hello lawrence Hello. Hi, everybody. Uh, thank you very much for having me back. And of course, happy holidays to everybody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Happy holidays. God. That's coming up <laughs> in just a few days. Right. It's, it's, oh. a, it's, it's almost here. It's a thing. It's a thing. Yeah. And, you know, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the holidays without a big Star Wars thing. Happening. No, exactly. Yeah. We ended uh, we the holidays last season with the season finale of Mando. So we're doing it again. Yeah. Hooray, because we're a one-trick pony. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we will be covering three episodes, the last three episodes of The Mandalorian. No news, because we covered all of the news in our last episode. So um, much news. So much news, uh, which just dropped a few days ago. So if you want an in-depth discussion of everything that dropped two Thursdays ago, all the big Disney Star Wars news, then yep. check that episode out. But one addendum for the super news at the end of the season finale. Yes. Oh, yes. Which, (laughs) 
which we're, we were kind of wondering like, huh, they didn't announce what we thought they were going to announce, but they announced it in a different way. Yeah, so we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Which I wasn't mad about, but... Okay, so let's let's just kick things off, shall we? All right, let's do it. Okay, so episode 16? No. No? No. 16. No, sorry. 14, 14. <laughs> I can math, I swear. I used to teach math, I swear. Math good. <laughs> math great. It's new math, it's space math. Yeah, so yeah, episode 14. Uh, this episode, for sure like redeemed my whole uh faith in boba fett that was a pretty it was a pretty badass episode as i think it did for most people as a whole yeah it was a great episode um i have issues well, i mean with we, we discussed at the beginning <laughs> we, Sorry, you know, we discussed at the beginning of the season that we, we might be looking at kind of that unforgiven man redeemed arc yes mm-hmm. And sure enough, um, that seems to be where we're going. Uh, not to say that he is necessarily a good guy, but he's been on a path to, we'll say, fulfillment and redemption. Yeah, I don't think I don't think you can. I don't think you can put Boba Fett in a box and just check out the boxes. That kind of thing, like no. And I think Boba Fett serves his own creed i think you know his own morality and so it doesn't mean that he's a bad guy and i don't think it means he's a good guy he just does what he does he's gray he's very gray he you know goes to the highest bidder basically yeah and sometimes that's him sometimes the bidder is him yeah i i think he is the uh quintessential uh, man surviving in a chaotic world, as he says, just trying to make it through the galaxy like his father, which, by the way, was a great pull. Uh, Love that line. And I, I have to imagine that he was um, uh, reviewing how he delivered it in the past so he could get just that iteration. Um, but I think that's what makes his character so compelling. And then as they, this is a hint as to the next season, I mean, the next episode, but as, as he is more fleshed out we are able to kind of both retcon what it what has gone on and connect it to all the various points about well, what about the helmet and what about the armor and what about this and what about that mm-hmm. so they're able to to tie up a lot of loose ends and then fill in that tapestry uh payoff after basically um 40 years of everybody going well is he really that much of a badass because you know he was in the, the two movies early on for maybe a total of six and a half minutes yeah. Uh, well, yes, he is that much of a badass. Exactly. Yeah, because that was my logic before, because I'm like, he he looks cool, but he doesn't do jack shit in the movies. He has some great things in the comics and the video games, but he, he didn't do anything on film, and that's what a good majority of Star Wars fans still watch are just the films. They don't watch the TV shows. They don't watch the, – they don't play the games. They don't read the comics. It's just, you know, a lot of them still are just, you know, films, and that's it. And film-wise, he didn't do anything. He looked really cool. He was a bounty hunter, which, you know, is a cool thing to be. Yes. He looked awesome. And and he he ran away with Han Solo. So, you know, people just kind of took that and extrapolated that, well, this guy must be badass. Yeah. Right. And and let me go ahead and give a shout out to, to our original Boba Fett, who just passed, Jeremy Bullock, because part of what sold it, you know, 40 years ago was literally how he walked. He walked like Mm -hmm. this badass gun 
Singer, even more so that he he was so badass that even Han Solo was genuinely concerned about him. So you you always knew that that walk uh, that Jeremy delivered was setting him aside. And then that great line, um, which kind of that was part of the beauty of Star Wars. We didn't we didn't know all the backstory back then. It, it left it to the audience to fill in. But that great line from Darth Vader: "No disintegrations." Yes. <laughs> so yeah, I mean. He clearly had a legend, which I have a feeling the book of Boba Fett might allow for some uh, backstory, which is kind of a, a hint as to what's coming. But but um, it was just fantastic to go ahead and see Timur Morrison now the blanks and um, and build off of what Jeremy Bullock had done and then what he had done also as or what Timur had done as Django. Agreed. Um, so what do you guys think of Robert Rodriguez directing this episode? Oh, fantastic. Yeah, no, it worked great. Uh, what was the name of this episode again? This chapter. I think the tragedy because Baby Yoda's yes. capture. That's right, the tragedy. Yes, the tragedy. Tra yes, that one. <laughs> um, yeah, I never really thought Robert Rodriguez and Star Wars would mix, but I was very wrong. No, it worked. It really worked. Um, yeah. The the pacing of the action was interesting. Uh, you know, the fighting with the stormtrooper platoons that just kept coming in waves. It felt very much like a video game. Like, oh, all right, let's get Here's ready for wave. the next wave. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. And I also love that, you know, you could definitely tell that you could see his directing style in that episode with how uh, the camera angles when they were on Boba fighting the stormtroopers with the gaffy stick that's definitely his his brand of directing and i quite enjoyed that yeah seeing the oh, gaffy and, stick and as its weapon of choice was really cool too yes. very much and it was very kinetic fighting like you could feel yeah that like that was oh yeah and don't get me wrong there was definitely some tomorrow morrison i think um flair on there some maori genuine oh he's got power behind him yeah hand-to-hand yeah. -hand knowledge there uh but it completely worked i mean it, it was absolutely believable well, and he said, I believe in an interview after the episode came out, that the the tribe that he has come from uh, personally, that they use a lot of those weapons, that they look like oh, the Gaffy okay. Sticks. Oh, okay, excellent. That's cool. So to have that kind of resonate with him and have him actually use it on screen was very cool to see and very like fulfilling, I believe, is how he described it. Uh, as an audience um, uh, that just is sitting there passively, you could feel like... Uh, he was into it. So I, I think that's a credit to what he brought. And then, you know, probably Robert is saying, do what you got to do. Exactly. Um, I also like that this episode that it was shot actually outside. It wasn't on the main soundstage hmm. because I don't know if you guys saw or not, but there was some lady months and months and months ago, either on an Instagram video or a TikTok, one of the two, she stumbled upon filming. <laughs> like oh, she was no. hiking. She was Just hiking. Taking a hike. <laughs> well, she was hiking, yeah, and she found a bunch of these stormtroopers and the transports and stuff and filming, and mm. luckily she didn't get a shot of Boba because that would have spoiled everything. It was just stormtrooper stuff, but she, like, they never saw her. They were filming, and they never saw her, I guess, which is very funny to me. That is. Wow. Like, you just kind of hike, and then, like, oh, there's a bunch of stormtroopers and film cameras, and they're actually filming, and, like, there were explosions, and Jeez. no one no one bothered to look up and say oh, that's a person in a jogging outfit that doesn't belong here i'm surprised we didn't have like a perimeter security setup 
Yeah. Or Turn a just, corner in a whole other galaxy. Well, and, you know, and when you hike and stuff, you go, you know, every which way on a path. So they could have missed something and, you know. Yeah. Uh, but so, okay, let's, let's, let's break down this episode a little bit. So Mando has to take Grogu to the seeing stone that Ahsoka told him about. Yes. And I wasn't expecting it to look the way it did. I was expecting something else. I don't, wasn't expecting like a little mound on a obelisk type it's deal. Very Skyrim, the Witcher Jedi place of power. Yes. I wasn't expecting quite that feel, but I liked it. Well, it and makes sense if it's really ancient. It does. Uh, and I I liked how, you know, he's like, okay, do your thing. And the baby's just like, well, I don't know what to do. Sure. Uh, Fun. Place the call. Yeah. yeah. Call collect. Let's go. Call Come collect. On. Let's go. Uh, our, younger, it, our younger listeners are like, yeah, what's a collect? Call a collect? What, what does that collect? mean? Uh, he had so a baby. It's a boy. He, <laughs> he eventually, you know, he he gets to the operator, and I absolutely love seeing him do like his like little zen pose that he does. So cute! It was the funniest thing ever, and I I quite enjoyed seeing him kind of just channel for the first time. Really, we've seen him use the force a few times, but this is the first time he's really used the force in that way. Mm-hmm. So I quite enjoyed that. I think it is uh, remarkable that we are able to get such an emotional charge off of, again, you know, a 3D puppet, but it, it, it really does feel like when he's communicating with the Force, doing that long distance, you know, AT&T, ET phone call, um, like, we, we're there with him. Like, we hope he connects. Um, and then, and then that adds to the drama of the whole thing because once he's got that open call, and you know, Mando is like, well, "We got to go." It's like that he's full commit. There's no way for him to stop, and it mm-hmm. actually worked to uh, heighten the tension in the whole episode because, as much as you know, Mando wanted to save him, he actually was not able to. Yes, it's. I mean, as soon as you know. Mando goes down to investigate the ship, uh, and when Boba confronts him and says, take out the jetpack, you knew right then and there that he wasn't going to be able to save the child. Absolutely. You knew right then and there. It's like, oh, that's a convenient plot point. Look at that. Yeah. Uh, But let's talk about that scene for a minute, because that was a very tense standoff. Oh, yeah. And It was great. Finnick rolling again i mean we we, yes. we knew we knew in our hearts that's who it showed up oh yeah but at we the, never got uh, that confirmation until season. yes yeah um but it was nice to have her back we're, we're big fans of migna win and now she's um, a cyborg <laughs> she's just super cool uh she's I think she's doing uh, the voice in her own kind of spinoff show. So, I mean, that was a fantastic save to bring her back. Uh, I do wonder if she was intended to come back or just because the audience after her episode in the first season, you know, was so uh, enthralled with her her appearance in Star Wars. Because I think now she's the only actress to do the Grand Slam for Disney princesses. Yeah. Uh, being in the MCU, Star Wars. Um, oh, yeah. And she's a princess, yeah. And she's a princess. I was literally just talking about this today. That's funny. Um, 
as much as Star Wars has a tendency to kind of fly off the cuff with their plot points from movie to movie, show to show, I do think this was pre-planned. I agree. You don't hire Ming-Na Wen for one episode and then kill her off. You don't... It. Yeah. So you I'm with you on that, but I got to tell you, that was one of my grievances this season was like, you don't bring back my man, Michael Bean, for one episode and then blow him away. I'm going to end my rant right there, <laughs> but I just was screaming at the screen when that happened. So I hope he's all cyborged up too at some point. It was pretty memorable. <laughs> it was. It was a memorable death. It wasn't, you know, they gave him a good death at least. Yeah. Yeah. With Fennec, she was shot by some punk ass kid. So it's like, oh, God, that. And that's a good point. That was not an honorable death. No. I mean, we're getting a little Klingon here, but it was not a good death. <laughs> no, it, it wasn't. And we can fully say that. Uh, but yeah, and also we tweeted out, you know, the Fets surely have a type with their um, uh, female uh, counterparts because Django, <laughs> yeah. had, Django had Zam who hit her face mm. and was a sniper shot and, you know, worked with him a bunch of times. And now we have Fennec, who hides her face, is a good shot with a sniper rifle. It and makes sense as a second to have somebody around like that. It does. Yeah. It's just funny how you see the parallels between Zam and uh, Fennec. Although yeah. Fennec, you know, survives a lot longer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she doesn't get any limbs cut off of her, at least. Yes. <laughs> Unlike poor Zam. Uh, so, I... I really did like how he was like, you know, that's, no, I don't want your armor. I want my armor. Yes. Right. Like that, that is mine. And it was my father's before me. And people kind of thought that he forged his own armor. He didn't know, people thought that, didn't think that he took Django's armor and, you know, made his own. Yeah. Yeah. But he, I guess he, he did. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. I like that idea that it's, it is his father's, but he reskinned it. So now it's his. Yes, but how awkward must that have been for young Boba to go back to Geonosis and, like, drag his dead, like, headless father's corpse and, like, strip him of his armor? Yeah. Well, you do what you gotta do. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there's, pro- and there's probably... A Highly good, traumatic. There's probably a good backstory for that to be included in some later episodes or in a book or whatnot to have that moment of how he gets the armor back. That would be interesting to see explore. I agree. Um, so, also we also get a great, uh, I guess, precursor to the first order dropships with the imperial dropships. Yeah, yeah, that was something I noticed. That same kind of scooped mouth, mm-hmm. uh, a triangle opening type thing. Um, given that the first order doesn't rise for I think what another fifteen or twenty years. Yeah, it's. It's an early design along the path, um, but certainly it's nothing we had seen before. So I think they're trying to go ahead and show uh, the early pieces. Plus, it, it definitely ties to the underlying um, B plot that's happening uh, in our adventures with Moff Gideon and everything else that's going on. So that was a very nice little touch to show how we're um, still connected to the trilogies we know. Uh, or rather the original trilogy, but then the early seeds of, of where we're going are, are starting to show up. As soon as I saw it, I was like, that looks suspiciously like a First Order dropship. And sure mm-hmm. enough, when it, you know the, the ramp comes down, I'm like, oh, this is, this is like, you know, this is the baby. This is the, yeah. the, the precursor. It's funny because my, my daughter caught that before I did. 
That's what oh, she really? comes up and I was, I was kind of looking at it like, what is that? It kind of looks familiar, but what is that? And she's like, it looks like a transport. I'm like, oh, it totally is. It's a troop transport. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's, let's talk about the fact that stormtroopers are stupid. No, I mean, <laughs> we know this. And they really can't shoot for shit. Like, Jesus. Well, the Empire is, you know, more or less just a ragtag team at this point. They're probably scraping the bottom of the barrel for people to actually be stormtroopers. Yeah, it, it's pretty, it's got to be pretty well known that the armor does jack. Right. <laughs> it's, it was, I mean, it was great seeing them, you know, deploy and stuff like that. But I'm like, this, y'all don't stand a chance. No. No, they, they don't. But but I will go ahead and say it was fun to or refreshing to actually see like this is the first time we we've, we've had anything other than a straight frontal assault. Like they actually split off a unit mm-hmm. to work. The, like there was actual tactics here, which oh, yeah, seen, um, and that was refreshing. Setting up the e web, uh, we've never seen the mortar outside of a out of a game. Um, yeah, that was the first time but, seeing that. That was cool. So yeah, I mean, it was nice to see tying into the larger universe and that they're not completely incompetent but you knew how this was going to go anyway yeah um and the only thing that um that the armor really is good for i think is filtering out smoke and and intimidating people which don't get me wrong oh yeah no it's, it's huge intimidating. yeah it's very intimidating especially with the clackers yeah yep um also the reward for a stupid person in this episode also goes to Mando because how many times <laughs> did he try and like get the baby out of the the call basically? I know. I was like, why are you still trying to do this? Did you? What? what? <laughs> uh, first time, I get it. Obviously, you don't know what's going to happen. But like two and three, sir, you come on. Fool me once, shame on was, you. Fool me twice. He was my desperate. Bad. He was desperate. Uh. So basically, they have at one point just Finnick and uh, actually just Finnick at one point, she's taking on stormtroopers. I absolutely love the shot of her when she's running down the uh, rocks and she just jumps, looks back, and mm-hmm. just hip fires. She doesn't even look at the scope at all. I'm like, that's a oh, yeah. duty move. What are you? What is this? That's crazy. Yeah, and, and it goes to why she's a, such a badass and and Boba's partner. Oh, yeah. um, you know he doesn't have he doesn't have second tier folk with him. He he has equals working with him. Agreed, and it's I really did like her, and she has become one of my new favorite characters. I think on the show. Yeah, I enjoy Fennec quite a bit. That wasn't like originally introduced in like you know Clone Wars or Rebels or anything like that. Like she hmm. new character wise, I really really enjoy, and I can't wait wait to see what we see next of her throughout the next series, and also. Uh, bad batch and she's going to be in that too so awesome uh but so chris what wrap up the episode wrap give give talk talk more Ooh, so <laughs> all right so finnick and um finnick and boba you know their their standoff is ended because we, they're interrupted by a bunch of um stormtroopers that show up on the planet who are obviously here to take the child um and so the three of them easily dispense with the stormtroopers because as we said they suck (laughs) um but the baby is still stuck in this weird telepathic portal tube 
um, which I was thinking about earlier also, in my mind, I was wondering if this teleportation, or not teleportation, um, communication device is like, like a, like a Ouija board, you know, like where you don't know what you're talking to. You're, oh, just, okay. you're just calling out into the void. You don't know who you're calling out to. So maybe you'll get a Jedi, but maybe you'll get something else. I didn't think about that. Yeah. So I, I would like to, you know, if you're just putting out a distress call, anybody's going to pick that up. You know, it, you know, it may be friend it, yeah. or foe. Yeah. Exactly. So that's something I think we might want to keep in mind for the future and see where that goes. Because someone else could have um, heard that call too. There could have been more than one person. Exactly. Exactly. Interesting. Uh, uh, so while they're distracted, we've got another transport that comes up or kind of like just out of the sky we see these black dots sort of zooming in and it is the dark troopers and they're full glory and they're full glory uh which is not what i originally thought the dark troopers were going to be i did think they were going to be sort of some weird force using clone hybrid trooper things i thought they were too but then i guess no so but they took it in a different direction which we'll get to later um and I, and I was already questioning it at this point as we were finally getting a really good look at them. Just the way they're built, it makes you question what was in the suits. It, it's an Iron Man suit. It's an Iron Man suit. That's what I said. They went full MCU. John Farrow loves his Iron Man suits. So does he, incorpor- his, does love his Iron he incorporated suits. that in there. They're fully robotic. There's no one yes, inside the are. suit. But that, you know, John Favreau's like, listen, let me just, let me just, we're just going to do this. Yeah. And they are, they are terrifying. Um, they're very intimidating looking. I find it really interesting that it took this long for the Empire to go in that direction, to go with fully droid uh, army kind of thing. When, you know, they've already, they've already con- come in contact with droid armies during the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. So that technology is there and it works very effectively. Um, they've done the clone thing and they know that there are pros and cons to that. Yes. Um, their technology is obviously top-notch um, during the might of the Empire. So why wouldn't they have gone to that before instead of using stormtroopers that could be turned? It's just, it's interesting to me that it took that long for that kind of R&D to go through. Yeah. Um, I, I also really like their design. Let's talk about their design real quick because... It is very cool. I like that, you know, it's sleek black with shiny, you know, metal and these piercing red eyes. Yeah. They are uh, obviously... It's very like if and they're I think at least seven feet tall. Like they're they're not, yeah. you know, they short. look like a bunch of fully robotic Darth Vaders in my yes. mind. That's how uh, it came out. very much that intimidating look. And they're the very helmet scary. definitely was there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, with the helmet. Yeah, and the, like, and the red you know, and the gleaming black. Yeah. If you're you know just a a farmer and you see like you know a garrison of these, you know, roaming around, you know. You better hope that's not the last thing you ever see. <laughs> exactly, because it could very well be. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. they just snatch up the baby, and there isn't a damn thing that Mando or Boba or Finnick can do about it. No, yeah. Uh, uh, they go and um, they fly, Boba flies up, and he's even surprised to see the Empire, because... He doesn't, since he's been in hiding, he doesn't know that the Empire is really back. Mm-hmm. And Fennec's like, well, that can't be because the New Republic 
patrols these territories. They're, you know, clearly not. Clearly not. Yeah. Well, and you have to real you have to understand that the reach of the New Republic can't really be that big yet. They are still very new, and so to, just to build the you know the fleets that they need and the, and mm-hmm. the numbers that they need to be able to actually adequately patrol everything i, I can't imagine they have that capacity yet yeah that's very think, fair and I, I think there is a little fleshiness that they're they're using for story arc purposes because you know at the end of return of the jedi um before everything spun off further we thought well that's it and and we're conditioned here in in the real world that okay unconditional surrender that's it you know we have peace in our time we move on to mm-hmm. uh, uh, making radios and televisions and washing machines and and everything that has transpired here but but what they're saying there is well the empire um, you know sure they may have gone ahead and lost and there's no central head or control but but the the essence of the empire they did not universally surrender like they're out there doing their own thing are they reforming or being not not pirates but kind of an independent uh evil armies uh doing their own thing and so so you have folks out there who i think would be genuinely surprised that the empire's back and then other people are like no no they've never left they're just reforming and apparently all mm-hmm. these super- which aren't that secret because everybody knows oh there's a secret base on this one and there's a yeah. secret- <laughs> Um, well, I think that really parallels reality in a way too. I mean, how many of us thought that Nazis and fascism wasn't a thing anymore for the Western world, where it absolutely has been? They just retreated. They went, you know, they went to South America. They went to the, they went to the U.S. They went to the U.K. and they've just been in hiding. And their numbers have always been there, but now they feel they have a platform and you know an opportunity, and they're coming out of the woodwork. I think it's, and I think that that's thing. a good point. I mean, as well. Um, and but I, I also wonder I I don't know if it's been addressed uh, because I have to admit I have cannot follow all the books. There was like a unconditional surrender by the remaining parts of the original empire, um, and I would say the answer to that is no because eventually we had the massive battle at uh, Jakku, and and you know there are all these other elements out there, especially because the emperor has his survival plan. So so it makes sense to me that you would have these um, independent operators, we'll call them. Um, with their various remnants trying to to get back together. Um, and so I think Boba Fett's reaction and and also Fennec and so forth, I think that's genuine for the world they've been, especially if Boba Fett has been kind of wandering on Tatooine for the mm-hmm. last 20 years, trying to, you know, just make his way to figure out what he's going to do. No armor, no ship, that type of thing. Yep. Although it's nice to see and hear, and I do mean hear Slave One again. That was uh, great. Yeah, there was. You know, in all its glory, um, that was. Uh, I think one of the one of the defining elements of of the entire series is how much of a love song it is to the fandom with the audio cues and the visuals. Yeah. Um, oh, for sure. One was well, fantastic. Like, I mean, with his boots, you know, last season and stuff, they're, they're definitely they're putting those Easter eggs in. Oh, it's yeah. fan service, but it's it's good them. fan service. It's not it's like overly fan service. No, it's, it's done right. Right. It serves the purpose of the story rather than just parking it there in the background and never talking about it again. But no, it, it would make sense that Boa has the ship and he's using it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, speaking of ships, yeah. <laughs> pour, yes. pour one out for the Razor Crest because yeah. as soon as, you know, actually, this happens before 
the dark troopers i think uh yeah no that was the first thing they did i completely forgot about that yeah they they, they, they blew it to smithereens they did as soon as he gets it all repaired like yeah. all nice and shiny looking it is turned to nothing but ash and dust Th- yeah th- there's no coming back from this one <laughs> no. no no repair job on any planet no nope but how touching was it the one piece he kept yeah was the little control knob that was Grogu's go-to toy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if if one sheds a tear for a blown up uh transport ship, but but oh, absolutely. deep moment. Yeah. Um and again we get to see speaking of blowing up ships, we get to see Boba Fett take out a trans two two transport ships actually. Yeah. Uh yeah. we get to see him actually use his rocket and everything. And that was really cool. Which, yes, it was nice seeing him use all of his weaponry. <laughs> I don't know where we where he keeps on getting these rockets from, but okay. <laughs> I'm gonna just suspend my belief on that one. Yeah. Um, and also, we gotta talk about his fighting of the stormtroopers really quick, the hand-to-hand combat. We did talk about that. We gotta talk about it more in depth because it was beautiful. Oh, yeah. No, it was. Absolutely. Um, Especially considering the uh, the various amounts of hate that I have seen towards how he now looks which, how different it is by the way in the next few episodes we see that that was like i said just the bandage that he was wearing it was a lot of you know cloaks and stuff so to everyone who said you know he's boba fat now and i'm like fuck yeah, all of you no he is a massive guy and i would love to see you say that to tomorrow morrison's face because that yeah. would be incredible to watch please do please I mean, he was uh, in Aquaman, and that was only a few years ago, and he was pretty ripped up for uh, not a young man. So he's yeah. a big dude. He's just a big guy. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure where the hater rate is, but you know, Star Wars fans uh, yeah. be part of the code now. People are just the worst. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, I really love seeing him take out all the stormtroopers with just one gaffy stick. Uh, you actually see the stormtrooper armor shatter in a lot of them. Mm. Like, How cool you, is that? that again, mirror... reinforcing that it does nothing. Yeah, right? <laughs> that... It doesn't do a damn thing. Uh, it's literally made out of whatever we make stormtrooper out of. Stormtrooper just, stuff. It's just it's the just same plastic. thing. It's just, it's just plastic. Uh him fighting was really cool. I liked seeing him use both ends of the gaffy stick, the pointy end and the other mm. really sharp spear end, I guess. Yeah. Um, he clubs them. He breaks a bunch of helmets. It's one of those where you, you, you definitely see his discipline and his training from Tamara Morrison with his tribe. Mm-hmm. But you also get to see Boba Fett do hand-to-hand combat, which you don't yeah. get to see a whole lot. You see him a lot of the time do you know blasters and everything like that shoot him up yeah Django did hand-to-hand combat with obi-wan for a tiny bit so that was kind of cool but i never see him you know fully do this like we've seen in this episode and i do have to wonder if this ties back to some of the much older expanded universe lore um with my favorite game of all time the masters of the Kasai, because you can play as as a Tuscan Raider, and oh, they're right. badass, and they had very similar moves, and then with the gaffy stick and whatnot, and they—I mm-hmm. mean—they were really hard to beat, and they were a little bit OP. And I remember always getting pissed off when people would pick them to play, <laughs> but it was really fun to play as them too. But it makes you wonder, you know, in in his time wandering in Tatooine, was he taken in by some of the Tuscan Raiders? Did they 
gift this to him? Did he, you know, not take it by force? Was he trained with them while he was recovering? Maybe they because, found him and he recovered with them, you know? Well, because he also has, Absolutely. you know, not only a gaffy stick, but he has, you know, the uh, Tusken Raider uh, cycler rifle, too. So Yeah, well, he's basically dressed as a Tusken Raider, so it, it makes me yeah. wonder if he's been palling around with them for the last 20 years or whatever. It would be kind of cool. Years. Five years. Five, I think yeah, that like ties six. in, too, to that to that very first episode where he was watching, you know, Mando help Timothy Oliphant's character help the Tuscans. Mm-hmm. Um, so he probably recognized that Mando, uh, maybe not an ally, but maybe not a threat because, yeah. you know, maybe he's helping his adopted tribe, which of course helps tie into Tamar Morrison's background. The other place I'd like to suggest uh, to consider is there was a reason why, um, the um, clones were based off of Django. So it could just be that he is that badass of a soldier. And the clones really were probably better soldiers than stormtroopers because of their, you know, uh, superb training and enhancements and so forth. And some of the, uh, how should I put it without spoiling it, some of the dialogue in the final episode where there's a lot of reference to that which happened in the past. Yes. And, and Mandalore and all that. Um, I, I just think Django must have been on a different level. Um, and so seeing Boba Fett, who was the, the pure clone, the one who was aged naturally and mm-hmm. learned from his father, I guess 13 years or thereabouts. Um, and then you combine that with the, the Tuscan, and then of course what was happening in the other shows. Um, you know, all that training then that yields the ultimate, I mean, that's why he's Boba Fett and so ruthless and so well-known throughout the galaxy because probably others have challenged him. And then they're like, I am not taking on that guy. Like he he is beyond what the other bounty hunters are. Yep. Agreed. So I think it ties in well. I I very much agree with that statement because it's it it shows, you know, that Boba Fett is not to be trifled with, you know, plain and simple at the very end of the day. And uh, I really enjoy, like I said, having my faith restored in this character. Like it made me like this character again. That I wasn't just like, oh my mm. god, another Boba Fett, whatever, blah 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 blah. If you would have told me when I was watching season one that Boba Fett would have been coming into season two, I w- could have cared less. Fully, honestly, could have cared less. It would have but, seemed gratuitous. Yeah, I'm like, really? Okay. But now I'm very happy he he is here. So he fits in so well. It really yes. Um, and finally, uh, so the so Grogu gets captured. He uh, gets taken up to the uh, frigate, the cruiser, and Gideon has baby shackles. <laughs> oh God! I know. Which is the funniest thing, and he puts him in shackles, and then he uh, neutralizes them. He tranks them, basically. Uh, I think that it was hurtful to watch. I, I'm sorry, that was like yeah, no, emotionally was devastating. Like you, I... you just stunned a baby. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I don't think those were meant to be baby shackles. I mean, we live in a they live in a galaxy with you know canonically a vast range of species in vast sizes so i'm sure they just had a, a huge range of oh no they're space nazis those are baby on. cuffs <laughs> they're space nazis those okay, are sure. baby cuffs all right that's it 
Um, so they leave, and but this Mando's- was after we got to see Grogu slamming stormtroopers like yes. they were absolutely nothing yes. with the force, just crunching them against walls. You know, which I think is a good indicator. It's a good throwback to why it's so important that the Jedi take these Force-sensitive children so young, because that kind of power is terrifying in a toddler. Yeah. And, mm. you know, especially one that's untrained and undisciplined. Yeah. So it makes sense that the Jedi, or an entity like the Jedi, needs to come into play and take these children before they end up, you know, destroying things, hurting the people that take care of them, hurting the people they love, or hurting themselves. Yeah. So I think that was a great reminder of that. We don't advocate child kidnapping, but at the same time, <laughs> no, I, of of willingly taking your child to these right, people, right. knowing surrender that them there. to the local so, Jedi in yeah. the, uh, intake uh, center for further training. <laughs> exactly. For, for for further development and training. Yes, yeah. the, the uh, local Jedi Montessori. Just bring them on. So, I think it was it was good to see Groku, especially after after. Soka says, well, he's kind of tamping down on his powers. So he's got him, you know, but, and, and the trauma that he's experienced has definitely led him to where he is, where he just doesn't want to go in and, and uncork it, but he's got it in him if he needs to. He knows that guys use them. He doesn't use it because of his, he has Jedi PTSD. Yeah, well, yeah. we've seen some you. shit. Yeah. We don't know how he escaped. Order 66 and Anakin storming the temple, but he did. We haven't gotten that story yet, but it, it happened. Um, so finally, Mando's like, he talks to Boba. Um, Boba shows him that this was the armor of my father. This is my armor. But Mando's like, oh, okay, that's your armor. Cool. So, but he realizes that he will need help tracking down Gideon. And the only person who can do that is Bill Burr's character. Mm-hmm. So he goes back uh, to Cara Dune and he's like, hey, you're a marshal now. Can you help me spring him? And she's like, okay. And yeah. that's how the episode ends. Yeah, so we're going on a... We've got Finnick, we've got Boba, we've got Kara, we've got Mando. So we, you know, we're, we're going on an Ocean's Eleven team kind of yep. thing. So how would you guys rate this episode? seven and a half eight maybe it is the shortest episode we've gotten on yeah, this season that's why it's just it's really short which i guess makes yeah. sense because it's action-packed and it just kind of doesn't stop i'm gonna give it uh about a nine because i really did enjoy it and um it was nice to see tomorrow morrison give fill in that tapestry for boba fett um but i will say it it, it did feel noticeably briefer than the other episodes mm-hmm. uh, and i i get that it was very tightly done like the very first star wars movie from 1977 and sometimes there is some some benefit to brevity but this almost felt like we could have done a little bit more even if it was just more dialogue with the characters that being said i really enjoyed it that boba fett just laid it out uh you don't have the kid we're we're with you until he does yeah yeah or rather until you do have the kid I, yeah, will... and I think again that comes into Boba's having this sort of like gray sense of morality. He does he does what feels right in the moment. Yeah, yeah. it's that it's that unforgiven um, redemption arc. I think. Yeah, 
I will give it about the same rating you did, Chris. Uh, seven and a half. It was a it was a, a decent episode, especially an episode coming off of the one that just introduced Ahsoka. That's a hard episode to follow, but this episode did do that, so I was very happy with that. So that's that episode. We're going to take a short little break, and then when we come back, uh, we're going to be discussing episode what fifteen, right? Yes, fifteen, and why Chris and I don't like Bill Burr. So stay tuned, guys. <laughs> Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. And we are back. Uh, so let's talk about this next episode um, that I have mixed emotions with. Oh, so many mixed emotions. Yeah, so, and I, I, yeah. I'll concede. I, I'm, I'm not going to be given this one. I'm going to be given this one rather a split review. How about that? Mm-hmm. that's very fair yeah um, um i don't hate the storyline, the plot of this episode i think it's actually really good and i think the oh, message agree, that yes. they're trying to send is very good but execution in some key areas has me miffed mm. that's fair yeah so let's should we talk about what we don't like about this episode first or should we dissect it how do you want to start this out chris uh, yeah, we can talk about what we don't like. Sure. Okay. Um, you go first, because I'll probably piggyback on you. So. Um, so as much as I really enjoy uh, most of what has gone down with the Mandalorian as a whole, I do have a lot of issues with casting. Um, and, you know, not that I think they're bad actors or any of that. I, it's, I don't think that they're casting good people. And I do have issue with paying and giving voice to people who I don't think are good people. Um, and in this particular episode, that would be Gina Carano and Bill Burr. Uh, so I know Bill Burr is a you know buddy buddy with John Favreau, and John Favreau loves to put his buddy buddies in all of his movies. Um, which sure, I get that. Okay, and it's not that I think that Bill Burr is a bad actor. Um, in fact, you know, aside from clearly being from Space Boston. <laughs> It, absolutely it was a, it's a fine character it's an interesting character it's a it's a multifaceted character um it's just to put it frankly Burr, he's an asshole he's an asshole and i'm gonna here, here's what i said to ingest what i said to ian um after this this episode aired bilber is an asshole he's in, you know in the guise of a comedian and he's a comedian for contrarian white men who think they're making some smart commentary on the world when really they're just bigoted pieces of shit. And 
the you know the, the things that he said in his monologue on SNL if, <laughs> against the LGBT community. I just I just I take issue with a privileged white cisgender male thinking that he has a space to comment on these sort of things. In addition, what makes it just egregious that he is part of the Star Wars um, community is that he gleefully happily admits to the fact that he bullies Star Wars fans. That he thinks people who are big fans of the movies and the shows are basically dumbasses and will happily bully them for this. And yet he was given a role in this universe. And that really pisses me off. It's a very fair emotion to have. Yeah. yeah and again, so that's I, my issue. I piggyback on you and the fact that I the character of Mayfeld is is cool. I like the character. I yep. like what he's gone through. I like his story. I like that. Yep. But yeah, the whole Bill Burr thing, because I didn't realize this until you told me about it, and I went back and I was like, ooh, yikes. Mm -hmm. He's yikes. very problematic. Very problematic. So maybe he won't be in it anymore, because after this episode, he kind of goes off on his own thing. I don't know, but... So let me give you my nightmare thought. Um, it's clear they're setting up Gina, who I, I also have, issues with her more recent yes. political positions, just to be gentle about that. Um, and I also am no fan of Bill's. And I, I embracing myself uh, psychologically that he too will make his way. I think it's going to be he, Gina, Timmy Oliphant, and I would hope Michael Bean, but I know that's not going to happen in this new Marshall show. The way that those characters have been developed uh, makes it all seem to be that they're a good gunslinger type. Um, and those characters actually, uh, I'm parking Tim the Oliphant because um, I'm not aware of anything that would be problematic. And I, and I know people are going to say it's judgmental for Star Wars fans to say, well, if you don't agree with politics, these people can't do it. I, I'm getting all that. I'm just saying that these people are going down a path that is really just not healthy for anybody. Mm -hmm. um, and I did find um, uh, that Space Boston reference you made to be perfect and I'm like because I was watching I was like couldn't we get like Ben Affleck or Matt Damon to deliver the gravitas in this character here yeah. without this actor because don't get me wrong the arc in this episode was fantastic and he did actually do a genuine draw genuinely good job he it's did. just I don't want him to be the one to do it when he's saying like oh and by you people I mean you Mandalorians there were there were some dialogue choices in there that I'm like uh, is Favreau trying to redeem Bill here or are we piggybacking like what hang on. there were some definite dialogue drops in, in the discussion about Operation Cinder well uh, or leading up to it where I'm like yeah. uh, we're, we're we're getting kind of blended lines here so mm -hmm. fantastic acting uh, no question that the writing was good but why does it have to be that actor yeah 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 um and I know we're probably gonna get a bunch of hate for our opinions on this but there are opinions and yeah. if you don't like it then sorry He's got a very and I'm not big pushing his acting. Base. No, I think it's great. And, I, and I'm not saying that all of his comedic work isn't funny either. I just think that there is a line between being a genuine asshole and trying to be an asshole in the guise of comedy, you know, and you can, you can skew different ways. And no, him being married to a black woman does not give him free reign to say whatever the hell he wants. No, not at all. Uh, so now that we have that out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the episode. Yeah. Uh, so this was very much, you know, as I said earlier, like an Ocean's Eleven setup 
kind of uh, heist. It was an information heist. Mm. Um, I, I like I like the way they split the party. Um, you know, the, the idea that half of the people that he wanted to go in to do to go into this um, facility that they were in could not go in because they're all yeah. wanted by the empire, <laughs> and it just won't work. Um, and I loved uh, uh, tomorrow's line. Uh, my face might be a problem. Yes. <laughs> you know, he is the original trooper. And and I think I read someplace, canonically, there are a few stormtroopers left who are yes. advanced clones. So they're not mm -hmm. all volunteers or conscripts. So his face would be a problem. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yes. Um, I also, let's talk about real quick the opening scene where they're on the, the junk planet, the mining, or the prison planet. Did you know that those walkers in the back, those were stop motion? No, that's so cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um, our sister show, Kaiju Curry House, tweeted out to us that, yeah, that was stop motion. That was not animated at all. Or that was not oh, CGI. Oh, that's awesome. I love seeing practical effects in work. Well, and it's such like, it's a, you know, in the background so far away that you automatically think, oh, CGI sure. yeah. know, walker. I mean, I definitely yeah. noticed that they were cool. Yeah. But no, it's all, it was uh, stop motion, which is fantastic. I love that. Very cool. Yeah, that was just my little thing. Sorry. Yeah. Well, why don't you tell us about that? Why don't you tell us about that intro? So they go to, I cannot remember if they said the junk planet or not, but they go to spring Bill Burr's character. It's like a, it's like a prison planet. Yeah. Um, and so they're work, he's working on like scrap fields. So you see a bunch of like downed TIE fighters. You see a bunch of downed uh, ships. So he's like, it's, it's a salvage mining planet, mm. I assume. Uh, the droid enforcer was very funny because he keeps on saying his prison number and he's like go leave now go go it was very funny to me yeah. um so it's Cara Dune and she's like all right come on I got a job for you he's very uh you know confused as to why he's being sprung and he sees slave one Finnick steps out and then we see a newly freshly painted Boba Fett a very nice touch very spiffy mm -hmm. um i've seen some people online saying it looks too matte it looks too dark oh geez i mean it's not it gonna does... look exactly like it did in the original movies it's a new no, paint job <laughs> it is a darker green i will say that his other green was a little lighter uh but it's not distracting well and maybe it was a little lighter because it you know it had been in use for a while this is a brand new paint job yeah exactly I, I just i i i want to just repeat a joke that my friends and i i think chris has heard me say this before you know everybody's like holds these things chronically but un understand what was happening in 1978 and 1979 there was very limited budget and like how are we going to paint this because you know the original armor was like white yeah uh, i'm one of the tests uh for george and and we don't actually know how it came to be, but but the joke is, at least with my friends who are, who are professional prop makers, you know, it's like, well, we've got half a can of green and we got half a can of red. Let's see what we can do. And that's yeah. how it ended up being, you know, that craziness. And then so over time, people were like, oh no, it has to be this and get the Pantone cards out and, and the Greedly has to be one micron over. And I'm like, no, no, it really doesn't have to be because they weren't thinking like that in 1970, 1979. So now, uh, that they have better budget and can scope it out. If it's going to be matte and a dark green, then it's going to be matte and a dark green. Yeah. And also, I think it gives, you know, a little variation on Boba Fett cosplayers too, because 
there are clearly now multiple versions of this character you can cosplay as now. Absolutely. So I get it gives you know a little more variety, I guess would be the word for it. Um, but yeah, so they leave um, the planet and he sees Mando. And he's like, oh, fucking shit. <laughs> he's like, hello, hi. <laughs> hello, sir. So nice touch with the with the air horn, uh, the, the Aaron cement. It's because he's like, oh, it's OK if it's you. We're, I was looking for somebody else. And then as soon as Mando goes up, his theme horn plays yep. in the background. Yep. <laughs> that was great. You're like, ah, oh, crap. So they get in the slave one and they're off, you know, on the adventure, which by the way, I love seeing the inside of the slave one and how it works. It's like on a gyroscope, mm. basically. Yes. And we only get to see the inside of the slave one, you know, the cockpit wise in episode two, cockpit wise right. briefly in episode five. And right. that's basically it. Um and you know, you have the incredible cross sections books from way back when. Yes. And they have the episode, it was an episode of, of, of four, or excuse me, five one, where you see, you know, an artist's interpretation of what the inside mm-hmm. of the ship looks like, which they kind of took reference from that and put it into the show. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, it tilts upright and it's on a gyroscope, so seeing everything kind of move the way it does was very cool to me. It's such a cool ship. Yeah. It, and, and, it's and a very that, That's design. the love letter to the fans because that they remembered that's how the ship would operate whenever that artist created that years ago. Yes. Because uh, we all kind of wonder, like, how the hell does this work? Like, I don't get it. But it it works it's on a gyroscope, basically. The end. Yeah. Um. So they're like, well, we need to get some information out. And so they land on this planet. Um. And like Chris said, no one can really go in because they're all wanted by the Empire. Yeah. So what are, what are they doing on this planet? They are trying to retrieve information as to where Moff Gideon is. Yeah. And what was? Sorry. What's the uh, what's the Empire doing on this planet? I don't remember. Okay. So they oh, are mining, mining incredibly explosive um, fuel, right? Uh, fuel. Yeah. I, well, something like some that. Kind of ore or something some kind of like ore. Some kind of ore. Yeah. That is. It, yeah. That is massively right. explosive and dangerous um and the planet appears to be uh, habitated by or habitated that's not a word <laughs> inhabited inhabited um by by you know compared to the rest of the empire and the republic rather primitive um tribal people sort of whatnot um who do not seem very enthusiastic about the Empire's presence there. No, they're not happy people. Yeah. Which, it's very much kind of like an allegory of what we have seen in years past in like the rainforest of South America. Yes, it very much made me think of that. Because the whole planet is covered with these vast, beautiful forests and they have these tanks and these, you know, machines cutting things down and mining the natural resources of these people for profit. I'm like, that doesn't scream real life at all. Yeah. <laughs> there's, huh. a, there's always a real life allegory to be found. And so that kind of made me go like, oh, I, I see what they're going to... Is this Fern Gully? What's happening? Oh, God. That movie does not hold up. Let me just say, my childhood no, was ruined. It was very much ruined. It's a terrible movie. 
Yeah. It's is this Fern Gully part two? What's what's going? It's Fern Gully yeah. in space. Yes. Uh, so basically, they've got to hijack one of these sort of like armored transports that it's are a carrying. Juggernaut. It is a juggernaut. Yes. If they've got to hijack one of these that are filled with this explosive ore, this very volatile ore, um, that has a tendency to just blow up. If you go, if, it, it, if they go like too fast or something, or if it's if too, it, if it gets too hot, so I'm assuming that if it's jostled too much, yeah, it starts to build heat, just because of whatever energy it's being stored. Um, so they can't go very fast. They can't, you know, they can't be really knocked around. Um, so they've got to get from the mining point to this base, I guess, like the refinery or whatever. Yeah, which kind of makes me think, like, why wouldn't they just build bases wherever? they're mining the ore from why like why even have a drive but i assume because whatever <laughs> it's they don't want a huge explosion of things i don't know yeah i don't know um but so these species that we see they look a lot at least to me they look like a lot of um from episode one two and three um Stacey 10 who is the jedi who goes and confronts uh palpatine he's like the one who has like the horns that come out he's on the council yeah, mm, yes. uh, it, uh, he also. I thought they looked like space pirates that we've seen before. When we he, well, he looked. They look more like his species because they they had like these horns that are coming out from the side and they kind of come down. I don't oh. know if it's the same species or not, but they just yeah. look like them. But that's just my observation on them. Yeah. Well, so they're 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 you know they're rumbling around in this in this transport that they've this juggernaut transport that they've managed to um, seize, and it's just it's Mando and it's. Um, uh, Mayfield. Mayfield, yeah, um, and and that g gave us grounds to have a little exploration of the whole helmet on or helmet off, uh, yeah. uh, armor. Uh, that was, I thought, a really nice um, in-universe um, plot. Uh, it's not even a plot point, but plot development about well, how are you going to do it? So then he puts on the stormtrooper driver armor. Yeah. Um, and the and again, so we go back to Bill Barr doing. Uh, uh, sorry, Bill Burr doing. Um, there's a Freudian slip. Um, uh, some really good acting and delivering lines. Just you know, it's yeah. unfortunate that it, it, it's coming from somebody who's got this problematic background. But the whole thing about Empire versus the New Republic, it's all the same to these people because it's essentially an occupying force. Exactly. Uh, there was, um, I think, some good tie-in to the character in uh, episode eight. You know, the whole thing of it uh, doesn't matter what side you're on. There's always arms dealers. It's all the same. So I think there are some some important thematic points um, that uh, Bill Burr's character was was bringing up. And then the whole thing about are you taking the helmet off or you just don't choose to? Like, what what what's going on here? Yeah. What do you stand for? Where's your line? Yeah, right. And he said, you know, that everybody reaches a point where the rules are going to come off, and that was fantastic, you know, hidden pen foreshadowing for the balance of the episode. Yep. Um, and then the whole thing with the pirates and the and the juggernaut. I have to say, um, I don't remember who wrote this episode, if it was Favreau or not, but this is definitely a video game level uh, episode because the whole thing is you got to keep the temperature cool, you got to fight off the pirates, you got to make it across the bridge. Yeah. Uh, um, and it, one level of pirates after another level of pirates, and then your gun doesn't work. And I was like, this mm -hmm. is a total game level episode. Yeah, that's it. That's funny. That's because I, I said the same thing during the episode. I was like, oh, we're, we've got another wave incoming. Yeah. 
No, I think it was uh, written by the director who did it, which was Rick. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I can't say his last name. Oh, uh, Fukuyama. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, he did this episode. He wrote and directed, I believe. It's fantastically done, but it, it definitely gave me that vibe of um, a video game where um, you've got the countdown timer, you've got the, the red line on the heat, yep. you got to make it across the bridge. Yeah, exactly. You can only go a certain way, uh, and then wave after wave after wave. Uh, it was fantastic. Yeah, and so they get pretty close to the refinery, whatever it is, um, mm-hmm. you know, they're seeing they're seeing other juggernauts that are uh, you know ahead of them are just being blown out. Well, of- yeah, they're being blown to bits because yeah. you know it's by the pirates or or having to go yeah. too fast to try to escape the pirates, and they are they're closing in, and yes. Tie Fighters just sort of like appear from this refinery. Which that's base. the first time I was very happy to see a Tie Fighter. Right, I, I all thought of like we were all cheering for the appearance of these Tie Fighters. It's great yeah. inversion to make the bad guys the heroes, and then you see all the other stormtroopers yeah. hearing like anybody else would. Well, like, I made it. That's so, exactly what this whole bit was. It completely yeah. human humanized the Empire. Like, this is just a bunch of people mm-hmm. who have, you know, whatever their own moral standards, you know, or God knows what propaganda they've grown up with. With the Empire, you know, they may think, hey they're you know maybe they're getting paid really well and they're sending money back to wherever they're from you know there, there's all these reasons why these people who are obviously just people might be there and it ties oh, back yeah. into that whole monologue that bill burr had earlier and absolutely but then then we do get the payoff as to why they're the bad guys which just uh i'll turn it back over to, to to your episode synopsis but in, when we meet the good old boy officer, then, yeah. then we're all reminded, oh, that is why they are the bad guys. Yeah. These people are douchebags. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> well, and again, yeah. you know, are the are the lower ranks totally douchebags? Or, you know, as it is with a lot of big business and stuff, is it just the higher ups? It's a fair the point. Legendary question from 1945. I was just following orders. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, propaganda is a powerful tool. You very. So anyway, yeah, so they so they get in, they're welcomed, you know, as returning heroes because they've survived what no other transport has today. Um, so it's a big deal. They're, you know, pats on the back and stuff, and they're trying to <laughs> avoid all of this attention. This is like the complete opposite you would ever want for this kind of mission. You're trying to be as low-key as possible and literally everybody is coming to talk to you. Yeah. Um, and welcome you with open arms. So they're, you know, they're not taking their helmets off. They're just like, you know, thumbs up and hey, thumbs yeah, up cool. And they're saluting and everything. Yeah. <laughs> we're yeah, we're good. This is great. We're just gonna go get a drink. <laughs> uh, so then they mosey over mm-hmm. to there is data which is what they what was it why couldn't bill burr do it what happened uh the senior officer was one that he had worked with before and he was concerned that that's right may be recognized yes so he saw him there was an eye contact moment he was like shit i need to keep a low i need to keep a low profile uh, and so there's some back and forth and eventually it, it, Man- Mando walks over and we're all kind of like staring at him like, well, what are you going to do? You're wearing a helmet and this is a facial recognition 
yep. data port. And so because, you know, he where's the line? There's the line. He's not going to get the information he needs to save his son. Well, and again, his helmet. a dummy award goes to him when he first tries to do it with the helmet on. And he's been told, no. Oh, I know. Work. I was like, really? Are we doing this? <laughs> he's not the smartest man. He gets two dummy awards for the season. I'm going to chalk it up to maybe you just make dumb decisions when you're under pressure. You know, I don't know. We all, we all do that. We all do that. I'm like, really, sir? Yeah. And so, so then, so take his helmet off. Helmet finally. comes off. We've got pasty Pedro Pascal with a mustache. Not as prominent as last time, me up. though. No, like he doesn't. So he doesn't show his face. He rarely removes the mask, but he has time for facial hair upkeep. Well, listen. All right, it's choices, choices, choices. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so yeah. So he's you he know scans in, gets, gets the information he needs. Yes. But then you have the commanding douche. Yeah. Uh, is like you know trying to talk to him, and I like I did really like the line. Bill Burr is like, you gotta talk louder for him, sir, because his eardrums are <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like blown to bits. <laughs> you know he's got he's got some TBI going. He's got traumatic brain injury. <laughs> you yeah. gotta be nice to this guy. <laughs> And then they, you know, mention, they go, okay, we gotta go fill out these reports now. And then the officer's like, no, you're gonna stay. And they're like, okay. Yeah, well, so so he he's heard about what happened. He congratulates them on being the only yes. juggernaut to make it. You know, this is a big achievement. Come and have a drink with me. Which I love. You see, like, the tenseness in Pedro's face. He's like, everyone can see me. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like, mm, 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 mm. <laughs> it's very yeah. funny. But yeah, so right. the commanding officer was like, what do we cheers to? And uh, Bill Burr goes, what about Operation Cinder? Which, it, for those who play Battlefront 2, that is a huge name drop. Huge, 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 huge. Yeah. And, you know, the officer's like, oh, well, you know your history. He goes, no, I was there. I lived it. Yeah. Because, you know, the Empire burnt their own cities to make it look like the Alliance did it. So part of the emperor's plan to punish his own uh for him down for lack of a better yeah. phrase which goes back to why no these really are the bad guys and anybody who signs up uh really needs to you know gut check themselves um and that but that imperial officer he, he had no problem with the savagery firing on his own people not at all um i, I actually think it was one of the best written, best delivered exchanges this season because you really tension and again i will absolutely say burr nailed it he did because you uh, could um, see the the just internal mm-hmm. anger levels rising absolutely with every word that came out of this officer's mouth and it was very very intriguing to watch it was fantastic and and i will go ahead and say and chris has been with me you know i i don't know what it is about the star wars fandom community whatever or the star wars family but i have been um bando on, on both sides with that head nod of oh my god please don't do what you're doing i have one who gets the head nod and one who has given the head nod. Yeah. <laughs> superbly done because it just turned the screws that much more because you knew this was going to go full 1880s shootout in the bar um but the dialogue leading up to it was fantastic Fantastic, and it just was. I, I can't speak enough to the writing and the direction here, and the acting. It, it was very well done. Uh, and then, because you're all, you're looking at Bill Burr's character, and you're like, 
don't do it. Don't, don't do, do it. it. Don't do it. Wait, how are you planning to get out of this? Don't, don't you do fucking pull that pistol. Don't you dare. Yeah. And, and, and yet at the same time, you're like, blow that bastard away. I yeah, mean, it's, it's a, you're on it's the a line. Bag. Yeah. And he, you know, smiles and then he literally puts a hole in this guy's head. Yeah. Oh, that was, <laughs> that was great. It was fantastic. And so, the, and then <laughs> when he does that, one of the troopers was like, the little lunch tray is just like, what? Yeah. What what happened? What now? Uh, I think even so even Burr's character like didn't really believe he had done it. Certainly Mando. Oh yeah, Din's looking at him like froze. the fuck, dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's very funny. So yeah, so they have to shoot their way out of the mess hall, I guess. Yeah. Uh, they're shooting all kinds of troopers. Which, by the way, I don't know if we discussed it or not, but we get to see um, the shore troopers again from Rogue One. All oh, right. Yes. Yeah. So that was really cool to see those troopers again because that's a really unique and interesting design. But uh, so yeah, they have to shoot their way out. Um, both Kara and uh, Fennec are the sharpshooters on top of the ridge. And so they see them trying to escape out the balcony. For some reason, there's a stormtrooper who like, opens the bottom of the shutters and tries to like grab them. And like, sh- it's yeah. a dummy again, award again. Stormtroopers are dumb. <laughs> so yeah, I like how Bill kind of like looks under and like, just shoots them from underneath the, the shades. Uh, and so Finnick and Kara are providing cover fire. They're shooting a bunch of troopers. Um, they call in Boba's like, hey, we like to be picked up now. Please come get us. Your Uber so, has arrived. Yes. Mm. Um, Finnick takes out a bunch of the AA guns and the, 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 fire, the gunners, I guess, uh, which is a really cool shot because she just takes him out one one hit KO. She doesn't miss a single shot. Absolutely. Uh, and so Boba comes, picks him up, and he is pursued by TIE Fighters, and then we get the best moment of the episode. For all of us diehard prequel fans, we get the sound of all sounds, which oh, is the oh, seismic yes. charge. Yeah, yep. that was great. I was waiting for it because I'm like, is what's going to happen? And he hits the little icon button. I was like, they're going to do it. And then I literally <laughs> went silent because I was like, I was waiting for the sound. And yeah, sure enough. Absolutely. I was watching I, with a friend and I said the same thing. I, go, I wonder if they're going to use the, oh my God. Well, and like you said, Lawrence, you know, with a bunch of the audio cues from, you know, the original uh, three movies and the prequel movies, mm. it's, it's great sound cues because whenever you hear those, you know, you're like, oh, I, I know this. I, I get, yep. you know, butterflies when i hear that sound yep so it was a great use of that and fan service yes but again in a good way not in a bad way it served it served the story i mean and it would make sense that boba would use the same type of um tech and weapons that his father did mm-hmm. so I, I have no objections um and i think it was very well done agreed uh so they get away and both Carr and Mando kind of look at each other and they're out of the ship with uh, Mayfield and they're like, well, it's a damn shame. Oh, but we should say that, that Mayfield uh, gets his kind of proper revenge by blowing up the whole refinery because he takes a pot shot at a exposed tanks of the ore and blows up everything. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He trashes the facility and, and I, and I, I do want to acknowledge the writing also that he, when the firefight goes down, you know, he, he tells 
Mando, uh, aka Brown Eyes, as named by the. <laughs> oh yeah, that was yes. great. Um, that um, you know, he acknowledges that he took the helmet, but he's like, the secret stays with me. Like, because now, now he's operating on a different level. He's he's there to help him get the kid, but also I think to avenge all of his comrades that were lost, um, you know, in Operation Cinder. So mm-hmm. I, I, it was a a part of his character's. Uh, redemption arc. Yeah, this was a legitimate redemption arc. It was very yeah. nice to see. Uh, but yeah, so they land. Uh, Car and Mando kind of look at each other, and she's like, "Well, it's a damn shame that Mayfield didn't make it out of the explosion." Mm. And Mando's like, "I know." And Mayfield's still kind of going like, "Hi, I'm right here. What? What are you talking about?" <laughs> uh, still well, I would be it. if I heard somebody say that, and I didn't completely trust them. I would be afraid that that meant they were going to turn around and shoot me. Oh yeah, an excellent point. Um. And so he's like, can I go? Because I'll go. Like, seriously, I'll go. And Kara's like looking away saying, because she's like, I cannot technically say you are free to go. Like, I, that's against my, I cannot do that. And Mando's just like, he nods at me. He's like, get the fuck out of here. Go. Yeah. Leave, sir. So he trots off. Um, and they have the information in tow. And then that leads us to the season finale. So, what would you guys rate this episode? I mean, aside from the fact that there's two actors that I'm not okay with, and that did that did take out some of the enjoyment for me, this was a solid plot with solid writing and solid execution, so I would give it a nine. Okay. Lawrence? Uh, I don't agree with that. I mean, or or a split, which would be you know, an actual 10 because I was still riveted by it. Insofar as the story, the arc, um, where the characters went, the that whole scene inside the mess, but yes, it is heavily colored by the cast casting choices. Um, so if I give it a couple points off for that, and then I average it, then it comes to a nine. Um, but you know, I, I recognize not everybody's going to agree with that. If I just measure the the, the episode on its own, it really is a, an incredibly well done episode. It really is tight, and it got us where we needed to go. Mm-hmm. I would say as well, like a eight and a half, nine for me. Uh, if I'm just measuring the episode itself, it was great, great action, great pacing. You learned a lot about characters. Uh, get some great moments, sound effects, whatever it may be. But yeah, I'd say eight and a half, nine, easily. Yeah. Yeah, so that means that we're going to be talking about our season finale next, guys. The episode of all episodes, basically. Uh, But before that, we're going to take another quick little break, and then we'll be back in just a moment. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, 
Sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. All right, and we're back, guys. So we're talking about now the season finale of season two of The Mandalorian. What a ride it's been. Uh, it, it This is a great season finale. Um, it wraps up some stories, makes some new stories happen, and it's all around a great episode. Oh, yeah. As so, we expected. Firstly, it's directed by Peyton Reed, who has directed both the Ant-Man films for the MCU. So, and he also directed, I believe it was episode two of this season with the spiders. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Okay. I think it was that one. I think I'm pretty sure. Um, so uh, let's let's talk this episode. So, did you guys think that was this was a satisfying conclusion for a season? Oh, um, it's not the conclusion I expected, but I am I'm satisfied. I don't know if I would say I'm satisfied. I've just it works. It works for me. It works for okay. me. Um, let me get my inner Joker on, not the one that otherwise would tie into this episode, and just say, yeah. where do we begin? <laughs> because there it's was a, a lot, lot yeah. to unpack oh, in this episode. Lot to unpack. Um, I will say up front, I do think that this was originally conceptualized as a series finale. It ends. It That's could what I said. As a series finale. Yeah. Um, and because it had been in the can for a long time, um, it is possible that they were like, well, we're not sure, you know, where this is going to go. And then because uh, Disney and particularly under Bob Iger are doubling down and the first season was so successful and they realize now that they have a um, means to connect with the fans that doesn't require theatrical releases um, that we will be getting more Mando, but this truly felt like it was originally conceptualized as a series finale. And frankly, if it ended now, it'd be fine. Okay with it. Yeah, no, 100% agree. 100%. That's fair. Um, So like you said, there's a lot to dissect for this episode. So let's start off with the, I guess, beginning, which is them uh, meeting back up with uh, Bo-Katan and um, oh no or do they find the scientists first they find the scientists, scientists first, first. And, and that's right that was um, some opportunity to see Slave One doing its thing uh, and both that is still a fantastic pilot you know in air to air not just uh, air to ground right uh, and I was um, refreshed, for lack of a better phrase, that the scientist, I guess the scientist is not a per se bad guy. He's doing bad things, but, you know, he quickly was giving up the information necessary. Uh, right. I think he realizes that there is a special connection between Mando and the child. Um, so he's not going to go down with the ship, unlike the Imperial officers. The exchange between yeah. the officers was interesting as well. Mm. Yeah, that was kind of weird. 
well one of them was willing to die for the empire and the other was like nah dude yeah it's a job yeah it's, exactly. yeah, it's just a paycheck i don't want to no thank you yeah. yeah but they both end up dying so who cares yeah well, I mean, and I think it's important. One dies by the hand of the other. That yes. guy, mm-hmm. the um, uh, what do I want to call it, the true believer, and and he recognizes that you know Cardoon is is a threat to him, and she delivers on that threat. You know, mm-hmm. she chance to to surrender. He didn't. The the scientist is a, is a priceless asset, so she has to do what she has to do. And there was a fantastic exchange about the Death Stars and the lives lost, yeah. um, Death Stars versus Alderaan, which I think that's perfect commentary about false equivalents where the bad guys are like, well, you hurt all of our people. And it's like, yeah, but you're the bad guy yeah. who blew away a bunch of innocent people on a peaceful planet. So mm-hmm. yeah, well, he tried to, you know. yeah, he absolutely false false equivalency. That whole, that whole exchange was great. And he, you know, he's basically... He's poking at a big open wound on Kara, and he's doing this on purpose. And you know, he's oh, absolutely. Like, you know, hey, I served, I served on the Death Star, which she replies, you know, snidely, which one? Fantastic mm-hmm. commentary. Yeah, and um, you know, he goes further into, you know, there were millions of people I worked with who died on that, and she's like, are you, are you really gonna go there? And just he keeps pushing it and pushing it, and she blows him away, and it, you know, it was a nice, it was a nice moment. Well, at least you know. <laughs> He didn't, you know, ask her, who'd you lose? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, did you lose anybody? That's st- That line still just gets me because it's yeah, so, so stupid and funny. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so they capture the scientist and he gives up all the information. Uh, they capture the shuttle as well for yes. devious yes. plot points. We need that, which is callback. Um, callback call call yes. episode six. Yep, and they end up landing on a, some backwater planet, and uh, they meet up with uh, Bo and the other Mandalorian, whose name I'm totally blanking on. I know, so am I. I um, hate that. I know where Sasha yeah, Banks. I'm afraid I cannot. So, Sasha Banks' character, <laughs> and he's like, "Hey, we found Gideon." She's like, "Oh, okay." And he's like, "Hey, they have the kid." And she's like, "Let's go." We gonna fight. Mm-hmm. That but, is, before that, but before that, yes. yeah, these poor these poor people in this in, the, in this cantina cafe, whatever, are like, oh shit, there's already two mandos in here and two more walk-ins. Yeah, these, right. Something's going down. So they poke at Boba. Speaking of open wound, they kind of poke at Boba. Bo-Katan says, "You're a bounty hunter. You're not a Mandalorian. You're not. You're you're disgraced the Mandalorians, basically." And. uh He's like, you know, this is my father's armor. And she goes, don't you mean your donor? Yeah, yeah it's oh. fantastic. I screamed. Oh, I <laughs> because she says, I mean, technically all fathers are donors at some point. <laughs> this is a little deeper than that. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, she's like, I've heard your voice thousands of times. Thousands You're not of times. special. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. We don't know if she knows who Boba Fett is. We, she just may be acting on the cues of the fact that she hears this guy's voice because she doesn't say anything to him until after he speaks. And I think then the connection is made like, oh, this is just another clone. Do we know right. that she knows who Boba Fett is or is this just another ass- clone? I think she- I've read into it that has- she knows the Boba. Yeah. I think she would know who he is. 
because he and, was yeah, because he's so notorious in the yeah. in the because she comments saying era. you're not a real Mandalorian, you're a about your disgrace before. Yeah. So I think she knows who he is. But that could also tie into just thinking that he's a clone. If he's just a clone and he's wearing Mandalorian army, then he's not a Mandalorian. Why would she could think be? But he, he does acknowledge. He says, "I never claimed to be." He said, yeah. "Father yeah. acknowledged he was," and and he keeps calling her princess with some real venom there. So I I yeah. think some backstory that you know they may go ahead and develop he definitely knows who she is because like you said he yeah, calls her he princess. knows who she is absolutely yeah yeah so I, it's safe to assume she would know who he is too but <laughs> he makes kind of the mistake of taking on sasha banks's character which oh, that was at a time it looks like he's gonna win but she's much younger and much you know lighter on her feet and she does this really cool like roundhouse wwe kick. this is where the wwe comes in yeah like jetpack kick knocks him on the ground just and then both their flamethrowers are activated at the same time. And you <laughs> I'm not get, sure like, how a, that works. <laughs> you but get okay. a flame off and it's fantastic. And Bo's like, if you two don't stop it right now. Uh, so she's like, are, so, you know, basically Mando's like, are you going to come help us or like what? So they formulate a plan of diversions of uh, espionage kind of uh, to get onto Gideon's ship. So Boba goes into Slave One, there's some going to the shuttle, and they're going to act like they're being pursued and they need, you know, immediate assistance, backup, all that stuff. Well, they need so, to get in. They need to get yeah. into the, so that they can be shielded. And that's the only way to get in, which, which works for, yeah. you know, it basically works. Well, but so, Gideon wasn't falling for it initially. I mean, he mm-hmm. didn't, I don't think he trusted it, which is why he sent out. He sent on a TIE fighter squadron instead of just yeah. letting them board. Well, I, I, was think, smart. I mean, it's space Trojan horse, but it was plausible. They needed, they needed reinforcements. Um, and um, it would make sense to launch TIE fighters if you have you know, saying we're in distress and somebody's blasting on them. But I agree with you that his, his facial acting suggested he's not entirely comfortable. Oh, yeah. I think he was incredible. Assessment of the situation. Mm-hmm. And that's, yes. I mean, that would be making him a, a good leader. Just letting them in is questionable. It's a question. Right. That being said, he is expecting a shuttle with the scientists. So, you know, he has to give it the benefit of the doubt, but he's, you know, justified in being skeptical. Um, and I, I think it's important to to acknowledge the tension between Bo-Katan and Boba Fett because they have to rely on each other to pull this off. So yeah. everybody's teaming up. Uh, and I think I think Mandalorian's subtitle is, uh, you know, uh, team ups through space. <laughs> yeah. uh, I watched a lot of syndicated shows growing up. So this is like a very much a team. We help the local people and then we move on. And this, very, yeah. very much the bear feels or like something like that. 70s and 80s action. Yeah. Thing. yeah. So, so um, you know, like make the shots look good. He's like, keep your shields up. I'm going to make the shots look good. We're all in this together. Um, and so very plausible, but, but there's a reason why he's the moth and the moth is skeptical. Exactly. Yes. Um, so he, you know, they end up forcefully landing inside the hangar, uh, mm-hmm. even though they're saying, you know, wait until the hangar's clear and they're like nope we can't sorry we're already on approach so 
Uh, and if I may, one. let me just say what a what a great little shout out to some Battlestar Galactica launch tube action, especially because of who our actress is playing. Yeah, Bo Katan. So, um, uh, that was a very nice uh, inside look because I don't I can't recall ever seeing in the cinematic world anyway. You know, launch tubes for uh, the Empire. Usually, it's like hangar launches. So mm -hmm. that was a nice little Battlestar Galactica tie-in, as far as I was I concerned. Agree. Um, so yeah, so Boba, uh, destroys the fighters and hyperspace is out of there and we don't see him again for that episode until a certain mm. part. Uh, yeah, I was so, actually kind of surprised that he just noped out. <laughs> yeah. He's like, peace, bye. Like, good luck with that, guys. Yeah, so he leaves. Uh, they board the Arquentin and you get... I think one of the coolest like female team ups we've seen in a oh, while. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It didn't so even it, occur to me till you know probably like midway through that whole sequence. I was like, their assault team and is all female. I have to say this about Mando, that every single uh, actress in this show, female actress that has something to do with the plot, whether it be you know Pelimato or you know Fennec. Every single actress is 40 or above. Yeah. Oh, it's huge. And you don't see that a lot in Hollywood because if you reach 40 and you're in Hollywood, you're put out to pasture a lot of the time. Yeah. Well, Ming Na Wen is 59. Yeah. And looks 40 because she's a witch. <laughs> a princess. She is a princess witch. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, every single person is over the age of 40, and I commend. Yeah. Disney and Lucasfilm for doing that. I gotta say, that's well done for them. Yep. Older actresses, uh, also for the most part, uh, um, uh, not white, except for, Kate, except for Katie, but you know, that's nice. It's nice. The, the diversity from this entire, uh, not just season, but this whole series has been so commendable. It's just so refreshing. It's so refreshing. It's... And they're not just background play players or obviously you know, I hate to use it, but they're not just tokens, as they really came off in the sequel series. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, no, this this would completely they're not pass the, the Bechdel test for okay. sure. Uh -huh. but, but it's not just that; it, it's the there is such great substance, and it was a fantastic shot to see the four of them walking through uh, the bridge and the gantry and all that. Mm -hmm. uh, they're in charge. They're going to secure the deck. They're going to execute their plan. Um, you you. If you're a fan, you had no question that this plan was not going to fail because of them. Who knows what's going to happen with Mando? Uh, yeah. Because the, the plan was a little bit uh, risky uh, that he needs to be in two places almost at the same time and take on these super uh, droid soldiers because the scientists explained that th this new version of the Dark Trooper, uh, they have, uh, as we alluded to early on in the show, has completely remove the human element so yes. like super battle droids now but they do have to be dark force power capabilities yeah they do have to be activated right and so the whole thing is that they're kind of like in storage on the ship so that that leads to this being uh, another kind of like video game you're up against a timer which by the way that activation thing was bullshit because like a third of the way third three-fourths of the way through like the bar going up like the tubes detach and they're like walking out i'm like so they can go. I agree with like, you. Why? Yeah. Why are they waiting for the bar to go up? Yeah. The, the whole activation thing was, uh, I don't know. That was dumb. I was like, if but, they're moving and the little tubes attached, that means they're A-OK. -okay. What is yeah. what's what? 
I, they needed a reason this to they needed a reason to separate the party oh yeah that's that's what it was uh um, so before separating the party we have an exchange between Bo and um den where she basically says look i don't know i don't care what goes down i don't how care how it goes down i gideon need gideon gideon's mine i need gideon um yeah. and he's like he's worth too much to us for his information and she's like, I don't care. He just has to surrender to me, at least. Which, Which becomes like, very important later. Yes. But it, and also it makes it just... a, but it contradicts a bunch of stuff that we've seen in previous oh, yeah. canon. So it's... Which, so I didn't even think about that because it just means, to me, I just thought it was Bo trying to be badass and having a, you know, a beef with this guy and being like, oh, he's mine. You know, it, I agree. Very typical action fantasy trope where the, you know, the good guy really, really wants to kill the bad guy. Yes. And be so, the one to kill the bad guy. So while Finnick, Kara, Bo, and uh, Sasha Banks's character, still can't remember her name. Sorry. Sorry. Um, they're fighting. Uh, uh, Finnick is taking out these stormtroopers left and right. She's being a total badass. Kara is shooting people. Bo's killing. They're all just taking out these stormtroopers with ease. Yeah. Um, Phen- phenomenal get- action sequence. Yeah. So they take the bridge. Um, and then Mando is about to reach the dark troopers when he realizes, oh no, the doors are opening. I'm too late. So he gets to the code cylinder portal real quick, tries to crank it so, you know, the doors stay shut. One of the uh, dark troopers gets out. The rest are staying in their little containment area, whatever it's called. And he does battle with it. And every single thing <laughs> he, go- he throws at it just does not dent it at all. Does he do battle so much as he's thrown around like a ragdoll? Also, well, that. But he uses those. He's using. He's used the whistling birds, which still zero from effect. season one, which from still from zero one, which you and I have talked about. This is a bullshit thing. Saying, remember, they're use these sparingly as he uses them in most every other episode after that. <laughs> sparingly, my ass. So he also uses the uh, flamethrower, which you get a really cool shot of the flames coming out of the troopers' uh, the armor, I guess. And the only way to take it out is by using the Bas- uh, the Beskar spear. Yeah, um, which is way. very interesting because it's nice to see this like sort of pinnacle of technology. It gets taken down by a spear. Right. All of the blaster fire, all the little his like mini torpedoes and stuff. They just it they but deflected it. Whatever this thing these, is made of. Yeah, you see that these things are not built for you know, just you know they're built better than anything else that the Empire is basically built for trooper wise. So. Yeah, Blasters I'd like to know what it. they're made out of. Are they made out of Beskar? No, I don't think it's Beskar, but it's something that's very close to it, clearly. Hmm. Uh, so Mando shoots the other ones out into space. He pulls in aliens and shoots it into space. And I will say that was on-the-nose aliens. Uh, and so yeah, I really cool. that. Um, but I, I did feel like, well, that was a little bit too... Easy? Easy. Yeah. yeah, and so... I was like, there's got to be more to those troopers than that, which eventually there were. At first, I was kind of like, well, that's really convenient. Why the hell would they just have an open port to where they're storing their precious cargo? That didn't make sense to me. And then it did make sense to me that, oh, wait, they are just suits of armor. If you need to deploy them, you could just literally deploy them into space. Yeah, which is probably how it happened in the the tragedy episode. They just- Exactly. Exactly. that, that, That did make sense. Yeah. So that happened, and so Din 
finally finds uh, uh, Grogu and Gideon in the holding cells. Gideon has the dark saber to him, and this is the funniest shot when he like first sees Grogu. Grogu has he's cuffed still, and he like lifts his arms up and he's like, "Hey, Dad, look." <laughs> Here's the thing. <laughs> it's really really cute and really kind of funny. He's like, "My bad, I got captured." <laughs> so Gideon almost is very kind of sympathetic with his plight to get Grogu. Hmm. Uh, you know, he he says, you know, you can take him. Like I have already thing everything that I need. I got what all I, I need. needed. All I needed was his blood <laughs> to uh, give a future and restoration of the empire. Which that's a big clue for episode nine. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, and he's just like, hey, let me take the dark saber. Let me walk. You can take. And we're going on our way. We're yep. going our ways. And he does. He does make reference to the word uh, "order" to the galaxy. So yes, yes. Episode nine is definitely first order. Uh, part of the, I guess, the emperor's plan to wipe out the empire, which the emperor has felt uh, failed him, and you know, constitute a new entity that is even more um, devoted and more um, absolute in its loyalty. Yes, but of oh, course, sure. gas. Yeah, legas, legas. It was a ruse. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. So Gideon hits, and I can see why uh, Esposito. He said that he broke like three or four of these while filming. I can see why. Sure. Because he's just like he just whack. <laughs> he's whacking him with it. It's so funny. Uh, so yeah, he's fighting him. I like that the Beskar. It still can't penetrate the Beskar. However. If you notice when he's hitting him when he's fighting with the spear, oh, it, the Beskar, it. it looks like it's heating it up, yeah, to where it could break. So I think if you press it against it long enough, it'll be malleable at least. So yeah, it's not completely. I don't think you know within the realm of cutting it, but just wax and hits, you're fine with. Well, and also you know Mando's armor does not cover every inch of his body, so no. He has, he has the ability to do those deflection plate shots, but there is a danger to him that he could mm-hmm. still be mortally wounded. So it was a well done, very kinetic, very believable there is a threat here because he was absolutely indestructible, almost like kind of a Master Chief, Mjolnir armor type thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It would not have been as, as uh, gut-wrenching to watch that fight go down. You still knew it wasn't going to be like an ending where Mando was going to lose. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but, but when you take all the stakes away, it's not interesting. Exactly. So it, it was it was a well done Neely. Um, and seeing him you re- rely on the spear was a very nice touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I really happy like, to see that he carries it around. Well, I also like seeing that uh, when they're fighting, uh, he's backed into the wall and he's like cutting the wall as like a lightsaber would. It's yes. a really cool practical effect. It's really cool looking. Um, but yeah, eventually he is defeated. The he knocks the saber out of his hand, and he captures him and brings him to the bridge. And Bo-Katan has the most what the fuck face on her. <sighs> yeah, because she was like, "What happened?" And he's like, "You know, I I beat him, whatever." And you know, uh, Gideon's like, "That's not what she means." Yeah. And he explains that, you know, the Darksaber was won by 
Den because he defeated Gideon yep. in combat. It's yours now. It's yours. Yes, it's yours. And so, and Den's like, well, nope. And so he goes, well, now it's hers. And she's just staring at it like, I can't fucking take it. So. Freaking fundamental religious people. And there's no, okay, stupid so here's reasons. The thing. In Rebels, <coughs> Sabine gives the Darksaber Absolutely. To, to her. Yeah. Willy-nilly. And she accepts it. She takes it. So I'm confused. <laughs> I don't know if that's maybe because it's a family thing and that it couldn't be passed from a family member to a family member, but otherwise it has to be one in combat. I don't know. But, but Sabine's not family. Oh, Sabine. Sorry. Right, 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 right. What are you thinking of Satine? I was thinking Satine of first. I think why. this is one where it's like the whole thing with the helmets. I, I think they're um, just kind of coloring outside the lines to allow the plot to be that much more complicated. But I also think it gave uh, uh, Giancarlo a fantastic opportunity to kind of monologue for the audience. Oh, that's what that was, yeah. Is so complicated now. Uh, he, he's the Shakespearean chorus filling us all in on what's going on. Uh -huh. um, because earlier on, you know, she had said to Mando, or that is Bo-Katan had said to Mando, he has something that I want. Um, and she explains it. and. To Mando, it's all you would you would think he would respond to that. He sh if he's from the even more devoted cult of the Mandalorian mm -hmm. thing about the helmet, he should at least be aware of the dark side. He doesn't care about that at all. He just wants no. to go at and mm -hmm. child. So then having Moff Gideon kind of narrate for us how um, this is now not even three dimensional chess, but nine dimensional chess, and we have all these variables happening at the same time. Um, it, it made it. Uh, I can see why they cast him. It, it was wonderful to oh, watch yeah. him chew it up and, and be all, you know, the, the villain almost, almost twirling his mustache about what are we doing now? Yeah, poor, poor guy is definitely a villain. <laughs> yeah. So my theory so my kind one, of is... Oh, go ahead. Well, so clearly Bo lost the Darksaber between Rebels and Mando. Yeah. Right. So I think it might be kind of more of a pride thing with her. Like, I've you know, I need to win this back to to honor myself, to redeem myself mm. because I lost this. I lost this once. I cannot lose it again. I need to fight for this, for my right to the throne of Mandalore. That's how I kind of see it, but that's just that's just me. I thought, I thought it was initially yeah, but with I mean, he spelled it out. Uh, Moff Gideon spell it out pretty clearly that no it has to be won in combat it cannot be taken free it, it cannot just be given freely right. it has to be won in combat which again um, it contradicts what and rebels this goes, had but contradicts and it also annoys me because this is a tried and over and over again trope um of movies and television where it's we've got a lack of information and there's no reason we have we should have this lack of information you know it's like it's like the two guys getting in the car and i'll explain it to you when we get there okay well you we were in the car the whole time why right. didn't you just tell them while you were driving so they were getting there they had to get here they were all in the in you know in the shuttle together she had the time to tell him well it i have to be you know i want to take him down and stuff 
you know he's a, a religious extremist he's gonna understand that you gotta do shit a certain way for your yeah. beliefs just tell him tell him look i need the dark saber and it has to be me that takes it you can't be the one to take it or i can't have it just say that why it wouldn't you say that that's a huge piece of information set up Bo to maybe kind of not be a villain for season three but you know it may have her play a bigger role in season three than what we we're originally gonna have her in well, I mean, she's always kind of been in that gray extremist area. Yeah. Well, and I think that that is, frankly, I mean, we, we haven't discussed how the, how the whole thing ends and why it, it could have been originally a series finale. But I think they almost feel like they're compelling to us to, to see what's going to happen on the let us redeem uh, the legend of Mandalore if we are going for additional seasons because that is really where the story would seem to go because she said mm-hmm. you know saber if i have the ship then i can go ahead and and store mandalore from what the emperor's devastation or rather the empire's devastation yeah. so i think well and she asked him when she when yeah. he went over to get them and asked for their help to you know get the child back she was like okay well you gotta help me right. win back mandalore and I think that's where it's going. And, and that's the, I agree with what you're saying, Chris. I mean, she could have filled them all in. That, but that, that also is in my head to the explanation as to why she didn't. She's kind of working like a four level, not a con, but she's got her own plan. Like she's mm-hmm. got plans within plans. Mm-hmm. So um, the uh, way it went down, again, you know, referencing my Joker was uh, they're schemers. And when there's schemers, it doesn't necessarily go the way you want. Right. Um, and I think that was part of the plan. So so Moff Gideon there literally taunting both sides. Um, and then with the whole, aha, now I've been basically stalling and here comes the reinforcements to yeah. everybody's day except my own. Um, I, he I, did I, seem remarkably calm for everything that was going down. So Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> he knew, he knew yeah. that the troopers were going to come back and they do and yeah, they he had an ace up his sleeve. they surround the whole inside of the ship and he's saying you know everyone's gonna be dead in here except for me and the kid yep and so everyone is trying to uh you know scramble and stuff and they're being distracted by uh the droid the, the dark trooper trying to get in and he ends up hiding a blaster behind his cape and so he shoots uh Bo and she goes down which for the longest time, I thought she was dead because they didn't pan back to Same. her once. I'm yeah. like, if you fucking killed Bo, I'm gonna be so goddamn pissed. So that happens, and then he tries to. And Mando throws suicide. himself bodily in front of the kid because yes, because he tries to shoot him. Actually, kill the kid. So his whole thing of I need the kid, he's indispensable. Clearly, yeah, circumstances change enough. Yes. So it turns me that means he's already got enough to set the restoration of the Empire and Snoke and the Emperor. Yeah underway that that well, so he wasn't lying going. in the cell he right, literally no. didn't need the kid anymore yeah no and so he then tries to commit suicide and Kara stops him right and that was then great the, <laughs> the droids are just pulling down this door and everyone's just like um what the fuck do we do and lo and behold we see uh in the distance from the bridge a small x-wing flying to frame and yeah. Kara makes their mark saying, oh, good, one X-Wing, we're saved. Oh, joy. Well, so in that very first second, I was like, oh, of course, the New Republic is here to swoop in and save the day. And right. then I was like, wait, it's one 
X-Wing. Yeah. So I will go ahead and say, because of, uh, as we discussed on my, my first appearance on, on your show very kindly, uh, I have an affinity and a connection with Luke. Yes. So I started getting a lot of text messages Thursday and Friday telling me, absolutely don't go on the internet in any shape, way, or form. <laughs> And I'm like, when I'm getting, and I actually started hearing from people like I haven't heard from in a long time, and uh, we're not like necessarily even politically connected anymore. I'm like, when I'm hearing like warnings, I'm like, this is going to be interesting. And I'm starting to have a few guests. And then when you have a lone X Wing yep. on uh, with that sound that only X Wings make, um, I started literally rocking back and forth. That's like, what I was doing. Was, yep. I was like, uh, Guy Mike, I think this is going where it's going. And and it I will say that when Grogu did connect on the uh ET phone home channel um in the tragedy episode, I did mm -hmm. say like, well, I don't know who he's connecting with. The only Jedi that we know out there is Luke, but I don't know if they're gonna go in and, and be, you know, that crazy to go there. Well, guess what? They, they did. There. And so we actually discussed this um on a previous episode uh with ahsoka and that there was no way basically we're saying that eventually ahsoka and luke could not have a connection at least they had to know each other they had to know of each other's existence and then further luke would have to know of grogu's existence and would probably seek him out eventually so, so it, it absolutely activated. makes sense absolutely yeah. makes sense plot wise I 1,000% never expected it to happen now. Oh, I didn't no. think it was going to be this soon. And you get this beautiful score by um, Ludwig Gordonson, and you see this, because you're still, like, you see someone with a cloak on, and you're still like, could it be someone else? We don't know, because it's in a black and white screen with one lightsaber. We don't see the color yet until he's walking down the, the hall, and oh, it's see, a I green it lightsaber. Black. I thought I thought the cloak looked black, and so I was like, "See, I, I couldn't. Know. It just looked dark. I didn't. I couldn't tell." And so I'm like, "It's fucking Luke Skywalker." And oh yeah, I yeah. cheered. I know everyone. I've seen the reactions on online. Everyone cheered. Um, it. Oh, it I wish I had been recording. I wish I had known to record my reaction because. Right. Uh, you know what? I did know, and I should have recorded. I didn't think about that. <laughs> it definitely God, um, screaming. It re everyone was saying it redeems a lot of what The Last Jedi did to Luke in yep. people's eyes, which is very fair. Um, he takes out these dark troopers with ease. It's Jedi Knight Luke in his prime. Yeah, this is this is Jedi Knight Luke in his prime. This is Anakin Skywalker's son, 1,000%. Yeah. Uh, I will which, say it is absolutely the coda to the scene in Rogue One where everybody saw yep. unload. Yep. This is the green saber equivalent of yep. It's a Skywalker thing, like father, like son. Yeah. Absolutely. And just uh, the the dark troopers may be the best that the Emperor has, and that's why then they go back to stormtroopers because that's just not going to go in and cut it. You know, he literally was cutting, bisecting them in half. He crushed one with the Force. Uh, he didn't even slow down. That was no. amazing. That was Rogue just... One <sighs> obverse. Amazing. Yeah. Um... I can't. I was just so excited. I couldn't. I, I, Luke Skywalker has been like everything to me since I was a child. So, and I never thought he'd come back. I thought this was. I thought this was the end of it. And you know. Well, I mean, Mark Hamill I, said that he thought he was done. Um, but you know, as he he said that once for his portrayal of the Joker, and then he admitted yeah. he'd never. 
Yeah, but, but from the forerunners, you know, from Kathleen Kennedy and whatnot, we, you know, we've been told that this is it. The Skywalkers have been put to bed. We're not going to see them on screen anymore. And... Right. And I do think, though, that's why this was originally pitched as the series finale. I, I think yeah. they they decided we're going for broke. We're going to redeem um, the arc that some people had a lot of, you know, pain over, in, including Mark Hamill. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I may or may not have teared up and I texted that to a friend of mine and he said, we may all, have, we may all have teared up or not. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, um, but I will say for myself, because I have, you know, the boots and the, and the cape and all that, uh, there was no doubt. As soon as I saw him, I'm like, oh, I know I was rocking full back and forth. Yeah. And I kept then, saying, no, this uh, is Skywalker. And my, like the rest of my family were like, oh, what if it's like a dark Jedi? I'm like, no. It's Luke. Yeah. It's Luke. So I'm very um, happy they did it. So I was a happy um, camper. Yeah. It's it's a great it was a great 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 thing to see. Um how, however when you see his face. Yeah. Why? Yeah, the deep fake yeah. art is still not there. It's not it, there. There's still some uncanny like valley. There were some great there were some good shots from far away but then when they do a close up for some reason it looks like he was ran through like a PS3 graphic simulator. <laughs> I would, I would, like I wouldn't go that far, but <laughs> no, it didn't. And at one point, also, like when he was talking, the dialogue didn't look like it was synced up to the mouth. At one point, yes, it was just there was a, that slight uncanny valley. I mean, that said, as I told my friend yesterday, would still smash. So here, here's the thing. <laughs> so he was credited as Mark Hamill, but his voice was young Luke. Yeah, I like, wondered about this too. It wasn't gravelly Mark Hamill that we know now because no, they they had I think they, the they polished it. Yeah, they they de-aged it. They have the yeah. capability to do that. It but also it was not him standing there. That wasn't that was a different actor. Correct. Right. That was a different actor. Uh, and he's not even credited as Luke. He's just which sucks. Jedi. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which I'm like, I actually know some people who work on the show. I'm like, damn, uh, I need to talk to somebody because I still fit in my tunic. Uh, <laughs> and I have the cape. And, and Could have been your day. And I will go ahead and say um, there is one element to it, which was a fan identification purpose, but it serves no purpose for the story. It's five years after Return of the Jedi. Unless... Luke is purposely keeping the reminder to not become Darth Vader. He would not have a glove on his right hand. That was to hide the blaster damage that he received on Jabba's sail barge. Mm -hmm. Right. To repair his artificial hand um, before he went to, you know, the final battle on Endor. It's five years later. Uh, he can actually have that hole in the back of his hand repaired. Um, so the glove serves a purpose for uh, the parents to freak out and their children to go and be like, well, who is it? Who is it? Who, yeah, they, no, it was like a striptease. It was like a striptease. Yeah. They showed us, they showed us the X-wing. They showed us the cloak and the way he was walking, and then and then the hand. And I was like, is it wearing a glove? It's wearing a glove. It's Luke. I'm like, there's no, there's no doubt in my mind right now. It's Luke. Oh, for and sure. Then and the then the lightsaber the extended, saber. and there we go. Um, and then we also get another great. Um, original trilogy appearance of R2-D2. Oh, I know. Yes. Oh, Which so also I think R2. is part of the redemption arc because R2 did not get a good uh, contract in the sequel trilogy. <laughs> Poor R2. 
No, and also, I think he, he sees Grogu, and he knows that Species likes to fuck with him, and he's like, ah, oh, shit, another one. Yes. What, I what would love this? to know what he would say. <laughs> God damn it, God damn it. Can we just go? We don't. We never saw him. Let's just go. Yeah. So it was great to see him, and, you know, Mando has this very heartfelt moment with him, and he says, you know, he's with your, you're with his people. This is who you're supposed to be with. And Grogu, you know, touches the helmet and we see him take off his helmet yet again not caring who behind him will see he doesn't care at this point he just cares about grogu and he takes off his helmet yeah he takes off his helmet this is where i got teary-eyed not when seeing Luke, but i got teary-eyed with this moment also with this. he he takes off the helmet and grogu you know touched his face and he goes to luke and you know he does like you know up up yeah and so luke takes him so clearly Grogu wants to go with Luke. Well, because, well, so initially he was hesitant and Luke told him, no, you have to let, you have to tell him that it's yes. okay. He doesn't want to leave yeah. you, but and he, it's better off with me. He needs to be with me. So. Yes. Until Kylo kills him. Um, anyway, so oh. <laughs> it's, we'll talk uh, about yeah. that in a second. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> so you know, he takes him and starts walking off. We see a long panning shot of the rest of the the heist crew, which you see both Bara's Tonsen. got a shit-eating grin on her face because you know she knows. See, I said you know she knows who he is. And oh, yeah. the rest well, of my family see... was like, they were like, how does she know who he is? And I'm like, because the princess of her planet is his sister. That's yeah. how she knows who he is. And you see uh, Bo-Katan standing there, so you know she's not dead. So I'm like, oh, yeah. thank God they didn't kill her. <laughs> Thanks, Bo. And so they uh, go onto the elevator, and f- the shot reminds me a lot of the ending shot of E.T. for some reason. Hmm. And I don't know why. If it's like because of the shadows, because of the camera. I don't know what. But, you know, the last shot you see is Mando getting all teary-eyed looking at Grogu, and then the elevator door shut, and then you got the credits. Yep. So and, uh, with no artwork, no artwork at all. So this no. does this mean for you guys? Do you think that this wraps up the story of Grogu and Mando? Absolutely. I feel like it. It could. It absolutely could. And it feels but, like it feels right. So. Hmm. But that's not yeah. to say we won't see him. You know, down the road, trained more Yoda-like. Um, I don't know if we'll have another chance of some Skywalker. I, I think we would be um, uh, selfish to expect that. Of course, I want it, but sure. given that this was uh, probably pitched as a series finale, um, uh, you know, if they could convince Mark Hamill to come back, great, but it would again have to be in a natural way, and I, I don't, I'm not sure that can go ahead and happen. They've kind of no. done the redemption arc. Um, I so. think it needs to be, if they're, if they're going to bring Luke back for a more permanent position, it, it's it's got to be another actor. It just has to be. It has to be recast. No, yeah, yeah. I don't think it has to be a permanent thing, but just the same thing where like he's in the background and waves goodbye or something, you know, because he's going on to the Jedi Temple. But but um, I think this is it for Grogu, and I think it it works for the audience because it really is the show about the Mandalorian. It's not about the child. So now he's on to the next task, which might be to, uh, who knows, restore his family name, restore Mandalore. Um, you know, that's not to say that the that this side of the galaxy won't interact again, but mm-hmm. I, I think this is a natural closeout. 
I think, I, I mean, I agree with that, but I think the problem with that is that, you know, Disney is, they are money makers and the child, Grogu, baby Yoda, has been their biggest cash cow ever. The Mandalorian has brought more new Star Wars fans and dissenting Star Wars fans together in a way that nothing else has ever done before. That's true. There seems to be a unified uh, sense that, that the Mandalorian is good Star Wars. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and a key component of that is the relationship between Den and Grogu and the fact that we've never seen a healthy familial relationship in Star Wars before. This is it. True. And who knows? Maybe well, maybe just there was Shmi and Anakin. Ghost- they had they had a healthy relationship. Familial. I guess so. She was weird. <laughs> but you know, and maybe we'll just do a, a Ghostbusters thing, and, and the start of season three will just say five years later. I mean, we don't know. And then Grogu could be back, you know, somewhat more trained up. Right. Uh, you know, uh, I, I'm selfish because I want more Luke, but oh, absolutely. I, that's that's <clears throat> incredibly unlikely. Um, I'm okay with more baby uh, Yoda, but he can't be a baby indefinitely or no. that story doesn't make sense. And then, as you hinted a few minutes ago, not, not to get my inner George R. R. Martin on, but all of this uh, eventually has to lead up to terrible tragedy. Um, and yeah. that is a problem. Or the last, the sequel trilogy cannot stand on its own. So, um, you know, I remember interviews with Dave Filoni uh, I want to say circa season four or five of Clone Wars, where parents were saying, look, you, you created an amazing character in Ahsoka. My daughter now has a hero that she can relate to. And and then a lot of older people were saying that, you know, it's a strong character, fully developed. Please don't kill her off. And I remember seeing interviews with Dave Filoni where he was uh, like kind of struck by this is not something that he had originally planned on, that having that... Mm-hmm. But now that generation has grown up in, in a world that is completely upside down, and we've been through the Game of Thrones era. And so, uh, okay, she she's not a Jedi, so maybe she could maybe kind of still be alive in Episode Eight. But really, all these people have to have a real Game of Thrones ending, otherwise the sequel trilogy cannot work. Yeah, so and it's not to say got... that Grogu he could maybe not be there at the time that you know. Kylo destroys the temple because it's at least because Kylo isn't born yet. Well, we're talking about thirty years later. Yeah, but I mean, it, the title is the Last Jedi, and yeah. and even Luke is so burned over it all, and he understands the whole point of the Jedi is is no longer good or evil, but it's to fight in balance. He, his line is, "It's time for the Jedi to end." But here's the thing: that doesn't mean that still doesn't mean that he's dead because our aura so is dead because again she's no longer a jedi right and so that's the caveat if grogu basically just it doesn't work out and he ends up back with mando not a jedi yeah, yeah that's possible they could be on on mandalore just you know chilling, uh, chilling or a buddy cop move for 20 years helping people in distress yeah so there there are there are outs but it's hard to not feel like and i know i've seen a lot of discussion about this in the last 24 hours online it's not it's hard not to feel like they're retconning the sequel trilogy or at the very least they're trying to do what the clone wars did which was give substance and soul to the prequel trilogy that's fair yeah i would agree with that yeah um so uh we got about 
I'd say 15 minutes left, 15, maybe 20 minutes left before our time is up. Um, so real quick, let's talk about uh, the, the, the stinger as it is. Um, I was not expecting this. So in the interest of full disclosure, partial disclosure, I knew this was coming because I have a friend who's the art designer on the show. I just mm -hmm. didn't know they were going to do the reveal. So when they didn't reveal it at the big Disney announcement 10 days ago, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, and then during the, the episode was so captivating for me with regard to um, Luke um, when uh, it happened at the end. And I, I, a number of people told me stay for the first post credit scene. Yeah. So is it going to be Sam Jackson in an eye patch? Which is definitely funny. Because Absolutely. Of, uh, uh, Nick Fury or Mace Windu. And they go, no, but almost as much swagger. So uh, I still couldn't put it together at first. And then at the end, when we go back to Dallas Palace, I'm like, that is amazing. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting so that you said about, about Sam Jackson because there, so there's an article that came out um, that Disney has taken Star Wars full MCU. But the Sam Jackson in this is Mando, is Din. He's the one who's bringing all these people together and then giving them their spinoffs. Yeah, right on. Well, absolutely. But I, I was just uh, blown away by how they did it. And Matt Wood at Bib Fortuna. Um, so which, speaking of which, I saw his name in the credits and I was thinking like, where the fuck Wait, was what? Bib? Well, because yeah. I thought that maybe he was like a patron in the in the cantina that was just like, you know, stuck in there for an Easter egg. I was like, oh, I'll right. go back and rewatch it. But I'm like, oh, no, this is Java. <laughs> no. Yeah. So I had no idea this happened because, because so because there wasn't any of the artwork, we usually watch the whole thing through because we're watching the artwork. It was just the music and I'm happy to sit there and listen to the music. My kids are not so much into that. They wanted to get to something else and it was kind of late and they wanted to wind down. So my daughter ended up just turning it off midway through Ooh. the credits. Yes, because I had to tell you because you're like, what well, credits? I'm like, God, Ian texted me and he was like, no, you got to go back through. <laughs> yeah, because she had no clue. And I was like, no. Duh. And then she yeah. fast forwarded. She goes, there was nothing there. I'm like, are you sure? No. Go back. Well, that's the thing. It fast forwards so fast on Disney Plus that it went, it just skipped. Well, you know, you watch the thumbnail at the bottom of the screen. Yeah. It skipped right through. There was nothing. It just kept showing black credits. And I'm like, dude, there's nothing there. I just went through it. Yes, but luckily I'm like, go go, go back, and try back it again. Try it again. Um, but yeah, so we see that Bib Fortuna did indeed survive the sail barge assault. Yeah, that was interesting. Which makes me wonder who else could have maybe survived. Well, like, and how did he take over? Like, because I would assume that after Jabba died, some other hut in line took over. Well, there's hut. so the couple of things with that. So first off, I want to know who else survived the sail barge assault because. I want Max Rebo to be alive because we need more jizz. We need more jizz. <laughs> we need more jizz. Oh my god. Uh, oh, that's our first reference, I think, for this season. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> I was going to put a reference of that in there somewhere. <laughs> and so uh, in the EU, uh, Bib Fortuna survived as well. And he mm. went back to Jabba's palace and the palace was ransacked because Everyone heard Java died, so it was a free for all sure. there. Uh, he ends up having his brain placed in one of those Omar monk spider thingies, and then he like lives out the rest of his days in the palace, basically. It's just so weird. So I like that they kind of took that and expanded upon it. I like that Bib Fortuna is like fat now. Yeah. 
and like he has these long disgusting nails i like that he has his staff from the original 1983 figure that we never saw him and have in the movie but the figure came with it for some reason that was a cool little nod to that i think it's a douchey thing that he has another twi'lek as a slave i'm like that's your own people sir yeah he's a that's your people he's not okay there's nothing about no it. okay uh and but, but the imagery that, is important for all of us it is yeah get it like he he's now he's self-appointed himself the main gangster now yeah yes. exactly with all and the trappings so uh matthew wood also portrayed bib in episode one so it's not his first time playing him right uh and so it was great seeing you know kind of some background characters chris knows my affinity and love for this set so i was having yes. such a great time seeing it <laughs> um i love that he has his throne on top of jabba's throne yes mm. With like the two like rancor heads at the side of the seats um but yeah i like that you know he's talking to boba and boba's like shut the fuck up and just shoots him yep. so we well, bring I back like the, for one thing and kills him yeah and i even like how fennec uh kind of does the um princess leia intro yeah. down the steps there's a blaster there's somebody you know thrown to the ground mm-hmm. i, I think all the cues uh again it is fan servicing but it it works it works next and it was delightful oh i loved it and then yeah you see boba walking down and uh he, you know I, I, I thought they were gonna do boost or something like that like a, a, oh like a yeah you know but well, and but then it worked out very well bibs like hey i heard you were alive how are you buddy and then just gets blasted <laughs> in the smithereens nope he gets thrown off the the throne and boba sits promptly fennec gets like a jar of god knows what and just starts drinking it some alcohol i love that that was that was the, the high point of that for me her just i want, swaggering a, I want a statue of him of that shot i want a statue that made shot. by sideshow exactly yeah Yep. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And so he sits on the throne and it cuts to black and then we see uh Very the book James of Boba Bond. Fett coming December 2021. Yep. yep. So does this mean this is going to be what season three is of Mandalor of Mando, or is this going to be its own separate series? Because there's a okay. huge debate on it right now. Yeah. And here is my argument for it it being part of the Mando series. One it's the same release date as Mandalorian, chapter three, that we've already gotten, December 2021. Okay. Two, they're calling it the Book of Boba, and they've already called all of the Mandalorian episodes chapters. So this could be the Mandalorian, season three, the Book of Boba. That's fair. That's my argument for it. Um, or it could be a spinoff show. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think that there's a lot of stuff not wrapped up with mando at the end of the season finale so like you know there's that doesn't mean he's never coming back no i that's true but i i i I want it to be two separate series but at the same time i can see it being the subtitle of season three yeah and i don't have enough information on that um the the information i got from my friend who's working on it is it's its own show but the way the way you can read it is meaning it's its own show within the show. Um, right. Sure. My belief is it it will be a separate kind of mini series that then um, will do lots of crossovers. So it's kind of like how 
CW does its annual crossover event. Oh, right. It's DC mm -hmm. stuff, yeah. Yeah, so in this case, you're going to have potentially, uh, and so Fafro and, and Filoni are, are kind of madmen, but our hats off to them, because you're going to have four shows all contemporarily, contemporaneously placed that should somewhat intersect. Yeah. Should be uh, Main Mando, Boba Fett, um, Bo-Katan, or rather Ahsoka, and I figured that Bo-Katan will, will bounce between the Mando and, and Ahsoka, and then... Agreed. Uh, yeah it's a lot it's this is what we're talking when we say like the mcu of star wars this is how it how it starts um so i cannot wait because that means uh tamara morrison's coming back as boba fett that means that it's a good that means that probably ming na wen's gonna come back as fennec uh yeah, we're gonna sure. see adventures from them which is great boba fett is gonna be taking over the the hut hut space and hut crime family basically um so it's a it makes me very excited and also it's going to be a great Christmas present. <laughs> yeah, it, will. it is. And I, and I will go ahead and say, just to, to play the, the note one last time, you know, Luke and Han and Leia are still out there. And yeah. mm -hmm. it was an interesting arc then for Boba Fett because technically he has a bounty out on Han, or at least they're not friends. And he knows that Han's now a general. Leia's trying to organize a new Republic. And the last time Luke and uh, Boba Fett met up, that wasn't exactly a peaceful meeting. So Nope. Well, Those I'm sure he blames still... Luke for dying. Or... Exactly, and in the Sarlacc and all that, So, yeah. and that Han hit him in the jetpack. So so these are smoldering fires that if they wanted to, they could give us a little more candy here and there. I, sure. I, I'm resigned to the fact that they won't, but it's out there. I agree. Well, I mean, I never in a thousand years thought they'd bring Luke back on this show. Right. And there you go. So, that being said, how do you guys rate the season finale? Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. I, I, it did feel a little bit, it felt premature. Like I wish, I wish we'd gotten, I wish we'd gotten more before we pulled Luke out. I, I really do. Yeah. But I'm not mad. I'm not mad about it. It just felt, it just felt too early. And I know a lot of people are arguing that it's, it's pure fan service. There is some fan service too, but it also, it just makes sense within the, the deeper story that we've already gotten. He's, he's the main Jedi out there and they were literally calling for a Jedi, any Jedi, to pick up the phone. So it, is it really surprising that it was him that did it? When he, we know he's out there looking? Right. I don't know. I, I think it makes sense. So, right, so I'm compromised on this episode. Right, so I was saying I, I'm a compromised on this episode because of Luke, um, but I 
I will go back to, I think this really was meant series finale. And I agree with Chris, if this were the last scene in, in season five, like five or seven seasons of Mando, sure. I think we've all been like, that's the way to do it. You, you spike the, the football in the end zone and we're out, especially yeah. the way the elevator closes on a kind of a, a inverse shot of how when Luke was brought to the throne room in Return of the Jedi, mm -hmm. uh, standing on the right in in this one but in it, it was vader um in return of the jedi so i mean there were just some great images here um I, I will go ahead and say i did not like the score part of luke's appearance because i, I it was a lot of minor key it was a lot i don't know too much about music theory but i mean it just it was it was, it was designed to make us more nervous and it was like yeah Hado notes and but it wasn't the soaring if you're going to bring luke back i don't necessarily need the full luke you know do but you, you got to give me more than what you did there it didn't quite that part didn't quite work for me then agree the, absolutely agree in sons which was perfect but i needed more of that or repurpose the music from the the throne room in return of the jedi and i know they don't want to be too on the note with with certain music cues, but if you're bringing Luke back, you you got to give me more than nervous music for that segment. Um, but otherwise, the episode itself was fantastic. And and like I said, I'm I'm emotionally compromised, so it's a ten. But I realize I'm not objective enough. Yeah, no, same. For me, it's a ten out of ten. I loved it. I personally liked the music with Luke. I found it, you know, daring because they wanted to try something new, and I still think that. It worked because, you know, it's Luke's, you know, not supposed to necessarily have a lot of like heavy, big music with him because he's not that character necessarily. He's he's had it, you know, a few times, but not like, you know, Vader's had it a lot or, you know, Ahsoka's mm, had it a lot sure. or, you know, Obi-Wan even. So I liked the music with it. Um, again, the season finale, it did, I can see now where you're saying it seemed like a series finale shot um but 10 out of 10 for me for sure and especially with the stinger at the end again 10 out of 10 um and speaking of which uh we mentioned this at the uh, previous episode chris and i but the original boba fett and you mentioned as well has passed away mm. um so we are dedicating this whole episode to jeremy bullock in his Absolutely. honor uh because these three episodes feature fett heavily in them Chris said that you guys, uh, that you both had stories on him. So if you want to share a quick story or two before we sign off for the season, please go ahead. Yeah, so um, some years ago, uh, well, it was, uh, both Lawrence and I were working um, at events at, I believe it's called Frank's. It's like this giant warehouse of awesome pop culture memorabilia. Frank and Sons. Frank and Sons, that's it, thank you. Um, we were working that, uh, we were trooping and I, uh, I was actually a stormtrooper that day, uh, and I was the only, f I was in the only woman there. <laughs> um, so they gave me a dressing room to dress out, uh, to put the armor on, and the dressing room was already occupied by the other person who needed their own personal space, and that was Jeremy Bullock, who, oh, yes, who so was also appearing this event at, at this event in armor. Oh, cool. So he right. actually so, borrowed another 501st member's Boba Fett armor and donned the armor for this event. So there is a group of 501st people. This is before the Mandalorian Mercs, uh, which is another costuming group. 
uh, had really hit critical mass. And there was yeah. a segment of 501st members uh, who, who commissioned and gave Jeremy Bullock his own set of accurate Boba Fett armor. So he I saw that, yeah. He didn't have that with him. So another member who uh, was a member of that construction crew had his own set of, um, you know, spot on authentically um, uh, replica armor and uh, provided that uh, to Jeremy and they helped dress him. Yeah. So it was just, it was just me and him in this room. <laughs> um, absolutely lovely English gentleman, just this very, very sweet guy. Um, <clears throat> I helped him put on a couple pieces. He helped me put on a couple pieces. He, you know, he, he made a joke about how they certainly didn't make stormtroopers like me in his day. And <laughs> <laughs> just really, really, really fantastically sweet man. Um, and, and very, you know, very sad that he has passed. Uh, obviously he, you know, he lived a, a decently long life seems like it was pretty fulfilling. I'm, I'm really hopeful that he was able to see his character return to the screen, the screen before he passed. Um, that's my final hope, but. Yeah, and, and I will say you know, a nice touch in the last two episodes, I think, uh, I think it was the last two episodes where um, Boba Fett has the EE3. At first I was like, well, where's the EE3? So he's mm -hmm. full back in that Jeremy Bullock type appearance mm -hmm. with his unique blaster. Um, and, and I do think a lot of credit to the image of Boba Fett uh, lies in those, I don't know, whatever it is, seven, eight minutes from the 80s, where yeah. it just had that that swagger that um, has formed, and with the Spurs, that has formed the image we have now. Yeah, there's absolutely that, that ability to emote behind armor that yeah. not yes. everybody has. Yeah. Uh, Lawrence, do you have any stories on him, or did you... Well, just the one I, I referenced, it was at Celebration 4. I um, was actually about to make a purchase of some Boba Fett art, um, of all things, um, at one table. Uh, I'm not sure if it's classy for me to identify the artist, Matt Bussman, <laughs> but um, he um, had a uh, guest come up right while I was getting ready to purchase, and it's Mr. Bullock. So he had a bunch of... Um, uh, set aside and uh, of the art that he had commissioned mm -hmm. poster and he had Jeremy sign it and I had already commenced to the purchase and I said well I'll go in and take one of those and instantly the price went up but oh, of course left the table I had not um, done anything I was right there and the price went up and before even I could say anything Jeremy goes no no he gets it at the same price. That's awesome. So, um, meaning that I don't get the jack up. You know, everybody else who yeah. comes afterwards, they get they can get the high high uh, right for the autograph, but not not for me. And I was very much touched by that. And I can't remember, but I think I may have still been in my Jedi Luke tunic. So it literally mm -hmm. was Boba Fett in this case saving Luke. <laughs> That's awesome. That's yeah. nice. I. Yeah, just uh, an, an excellent, an excellent, very nice man. Yes, I heard nothing but nice things about him. So, our 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 buckets are off to you, Jeremy. Absolutely. Yes. Um. So that wraps us up here. That was a whirlwind of an episode. Uh. Real quick, Lawrence, where can they? Uh. Where can our people find you on the social medias? 
Uh, I'm just on Twitter and it's at Lawrence underscore green, G-R-E-E-N. Um, Chris, where can they find you? On Twitter, I am the Dirt Witch, and on Instagram, I am Chris Jaded. And of course, you can find me at House of Turner Cosplay on Instagram and uh, Facebook and Twitter. It's IR Turner. And don't forget, our Twitter uh, handle is at Echo Station Cast. Um, don't forget to follow us, subscribe, all that good stuff. Because this, like we said before, this is our winter finale. So we're going on a brief winter break. Um, we won't be back until 2021 probably very early february we're thinking mm -hmm. somewhere around there uh we will have uh coming up next season we will have our final uh mini series of padme's closet we will have more species spotlights we're gonna have some special guests on it's gonna be a whirlwind of uh, a season so we cannot wait to bring you guys new episodes but uh chris and i definitely need uh, a mental health break from this absolutely <laughs> to, <say the> least. <laughs> um, to take you it's know processing time <laughs> yes so we can take 2020 out with our with a bang with our own uh, resources instead of ending it with the show itself so yes. uh, like I said this is our last episode for a bit <clears throat> we'll be retweeting stuff obviously if big news happens if something super huge happens we'll probably come back for a little special episode but expect us around early early February for for acquisition to return. So until then guys, have a very happy holiday. Have a safe holiday. Have a very happy new year. Uh bring nothing but good and positive vibes out for 2021 because God knows we need it. Um, here, here. And until next time, uh may the force be with you guys. Oh, thanks again for uh being with us, Lawrence, and may the force be with you. Thank you so much for having me again, and truly, I uh, hope everybody has a wonderful 2021, and uh, we see each other back for more adventures in a galaxy far, far away. May the force be with you. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job, it's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country community safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. 
That's managementconcepts.com. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you.